Hello and welcome to the 250, your weekly podcast looking at the internet movie database's top 250 movies of all time. And sometimes the bottom 100 as well. I'm Darren. I'm Andrew. I'm Marianne. I'm Grace. And this week we're doing a, we're keeping a bottom 100 this week where we're discussing the new revamped IMDb 100. (laughs) That actually makes a lot of sense because I was trying to imagine a world where Fifty Shades of Grey was some, for some reason, in the top 250. Yeah, no, it's Now I know it's not. Did you not know before you came? (laughs) No, I genuinely did not. You're just like, I've been summoned. I'll be there. (laughs) I'll just take it, take it for the word. The invite said we were discussing this. I guess we're discussing this. So it is actually at number minus 91. So it's at the 91st Aww. worst movie of all time. What's at 100? Um, at 100, uh, on the bottom 100, just is... Just for context. Just, okay, just to give a sense of context. Because the interesting thing is, as myself and Andrew discussed in the last podcast that we did on the bottom 100, they've revamped it lately to make it more hip and popular and sort of with the kids. So they've taken out a lot of the Indian and Turkish and Russian propaganda movies that myself and Andrew would have discussed before and replaced them with movies that people have actually seen. So to give a bit of context... What was the last you one? You went through all of that and then they just... Yeah, yeah for not. Took them all out <laughs> of the, 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 the Like, United all, Passions isn't on there. All our enterprise for nothing. Yeah. So how many people have to have seen the movie for it to be, like, bad enough to be bad but good enough to, to be, be in the on bottom, bottom 100. 100. They seem to have, ch- I think it's about 10,000 at the moment, which is significantly so, higher than it used to be. 10,000 uh, people? 10,000 people have to rate this movie on Have to rate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, so yeah, 100 is Oogie Loves from- in the Big Balloon Adventure. Uh, but also on the list includes Super Mario Brothers, Plan 9 from Outer Space, Blair Witch 2, Robocop 3, Furry Vengeance, Norbit, S. Darko, Caddyshack 2, Beverly Hills Chihuahua, Human Centipede 2 and 3, but not the original Human Centipede, Exorcist 2, The Heretic, The Adventures of Pluto Nash, Swept Away, Cat in the Hat, uh, Ballistic X vs. Silver, He's Street just going Fighter, to go and Someone stop him! Stop, stop it now. I can't believe 10,000 people have seen, like, S. Darko. Well, well, I can. A lot of the former Bottom 100 were, were movies where 10,000 people, yes, had not seen the, the movie, uh, let alone rated it. So now we have this sort of, we reach the state where the Bottom 100 is less like the list of worst movies ever made and more like the shadow self of the top 250. And like what we sort of oh, seen, the nemesis, I know, <laughs> profound. Uh, but what we, what we sort of did was we said that we wanted to cover, we didn't want to do like 100 new entries to cover the changes that IMDb made the list. So we thought what we do is we sort of break down and we take a look at some of the films that made the list. So we sort of group them. There are lots of comic book movies that have made the list. So Catwoman, Batman versus Super... No, not uh, Batman and Robin. Um, also uh, Shazam. But not Batman Forever. Not Batman Forever somehow. But also... Um, Batman Forever is amazing. Don't listen to this shameless propaganda. Yeah, I I, I agree. I, I think we've spoken about it Um but you've yeah, also not got Darren's favorite. You've got video game movies like obviously Mario Brothers, Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, etc. How dare they? How dare they put Mortal Kombat in there? Uh, I'm appalled. You've got like Nicolas Cage needs money movies in there, so you've got like Left Behind that version of it. You've also got Wicker the Man. Wicker Man remake as well. Not the peas. And you've Sorry. got uh, and you've also seen a lot of the emergence of films that are consciously aimed at young women in the nineties. 
as almost like a direct inverse of the IMDb Top 250 representing movies that were geared towards men. Now I'm so surprised that the demographic (laughs) who rates things on IMDb would sort of skew that way. So like, for example, Crossroads, the Britney Spears movie written by Shonda Rhimes is in there. Spice World is in there. This is just heresy. Yeah, Yeah. Mm -hmm. it is. And Fifty Shades of Grey is in there, which is the one that I sort of singled out to talk about for several reasons. The first one not being... Not Spice World? Not Spice World, but we'll get around to Spice Can we World. Can we come we'll on to Spice, yeah, Spice we're World? We're <laughs> <laughs> we'll redeem everybody for Spice World. But yeah, Fifty Shades of Grey is sort of interesting because it is a movie that is consciously geared towards women and had this very visceral reaction to it when it was released. And now obviously on the bottom 100 as well. Um, and I Insert thought that you know that tweet the people screenshot where it's like thoughts of bird. It's like, <laughs> I am unhappy when it's not me. It's, it's um, it's um, I am uncomfortable when we are not about me. Yeah, it's the question mark that is the, like. <laughs> so that that I think is the bottom one hundred at the yeah. moment, or in this case. Um, so I thought it would be interesting to talk about Fifty Shades of Grey as sort so, of. I, I think the problem with the 250 was that it was t- um, not representative enough of, 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 of white men so <laughs> they, 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 of, of a certain age. Yeah. So they had to change the bottom 100 so it too could was, also be yeah, representative exactly. of men. I'm so glad we have our age. own list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, let's, let's talk a little bit about this because this is absolutely fascinating. As somebody who like watches pop culture and sort of keeps an eye on it, the Fifty Shades of Grey series, franchise, book series, and everything around, and the pop cultural discourse around are fascinating to me, but I had never seen the movie. How fascinating to you. Absolutely fascinating. Have you read them? I have read bits and pieces of them. I've read enough of them. So, bits and pieces fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Not, 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 not enough to <laughs> commit not, to them. Not seeing the movie fascinating. This is Darren who's seen every movie. <laughs> It's like, I liked a lot of tweets about it, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I really, I liked a lot of think pieces in the Washington Post about it, uh, which will be in our show notes. Uh, but yeah, so I, I kind of, I thought it would be an interesting one to sort of talk about. Had you guys seen the movie before? I had, yeah. I had not. And I had not. So first of all, Grace, you saw it before. So what was your reaction? Well, when did you see it and what was your reaction to it? I'm trying to remember when I see it. I have a notion I might have watched it a couple of years ago when I was going through like a Max Martini phase after a Pacific Rim. And I was like, I think he's in this somewhere, so I'll have a look. And Is he Taylor? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like, I like a bunch of other movies. I, li- I, I like, like oh, I'll stick this on. I like that your Max Martini phase didn't go to like Benghazi, the 13 hours that changed America. It probably but, wasn't made at that um, point. This um, would have been like 20... 20- no, I kind of watched it in Luxembourg if this film is only a few years old. Anyway, I don't remember when I first watched it at the point, but I have a notion Max Martini has something to do with it. It's not a bad choice, actually. Max Martini being the manservant Taylor, who I suspect we'll talk significantly about. He's a about. driver! Manservant! <laughs> He's a driver who walks his mother into the room, oh, yeah. takes care of all his deliveries, arranges for <laughs> stuff to happen. And he and likes it. And has probably taken care of some bodies at some point. He does what he's told. Yeah. (laughs) There's a story there. There, yeah. there's, there's such a story in like Max yeah. Martini's performance <laughs> I don't think it ruins every, anything but yes that that character Taylor at some point Marianne was like what's Taylor's deal she's <laughs> like, like everything about him is very intense I'm like Anna you're like looking at the wrong man yeah. <laughs> you know? well, he's, 
he's just brooding. Because obviously E.L. James went back and wrote, was it grey, the Fifty Shades from Christian's oh, point of Jesus. view. Oh, Jesus, yeah. She really yeah. went all out on her Twilight ripoffs, didn't she? Yeah, which... Um, fan fiction like in fairness <laughs> like she wasn't expecting them to be published like um yeah this is worth talking about the actual origins of the 50 shades of gray series as written by el james because they originated in a series of i believe twilight fan fiction uh, which was called my immortal no, <laughs> with my immortal. My immortal is my immortal is another castle fish. Are we going together? Do we have time? To, I think explaining my, my immortal would take like an hour. It, it deserves its own episode. Yeah, it? it's like a it's um the most famous. We now think we we the fan fiction scholars <laughs> now think like deliberately appalling like Harry Potter fan fiction. Okay, I from remember the first uh, line. Um. My name is Raven. I'm trying Jim- to remember. Yeah. Names. <laughs> like, There's like ways in there. Yeah. Raven. Um, Cur- I look like Amy Lee. Something like uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, anyway, yeah. The, you, that opening paragraph goes around the internet. No, the this was, I believe, called Master of the Universe. Oh. Uh, was this is the first time on this podcast I've known something that Darren didn't know. Yes. <laughs> that would be noted. Our, our only exposure to fanfic. to fanfic is the 250 fanfic that gets sent to us unsolicited. Yeah. So it, I, I, We I can't mean, unsee it, though. Yeah. I, but, but we can't judge whether it's good or not because we have nothing to kind no of real compare frame it of reference. Yet to. I think it, it's Fifty Shades of, of Grey good. Um, I, I think it, comparatively. Oh, you, 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 but but you haven't read. No, that would imply that you've oh, okay. read it based yeah. on what we've just watched. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yes, yeah, so but the, and not that we don't appreciate it. It's <laughs> it's great. But um, but stop. <laughs> but yeah, so E. L. James uh, famously wrote that Master of the Universe based on Twilight. The point where I think Stephanie Myers has actually come out and said she's obviously never read it, but good for her, which is probably the best thing that an author can say, sort of in response to your mm-hmm. fan fiction. Stephanie Meyer is a very chill person, though. In fairness to her. Like, she's not one of these... She and, I think, a couple of other authors who have come out and been like, I really don't care if you write fanfiction, you do you, compared to, like, other people who have a meltdown over it. Well, Anne Rice is, is one example as well, which is mm-hmm. somewhat ironic because Anne Rice works in the same sort of industry yeah. as well. Anne Rice, famously, after the success of Fifty Shades of Grey, uh, Rice went back and re-released her, her erotica trilogy, Sleeping... Uh, sorry, Snow White, um, or Sleeping Beauty. Uh, I think it may be Sleeping Beauty. But she re-released her 1980s erotica trilogy under her own name, based on the success of Fifty Shades of Grey. Where are the seven dwarfs in it? Um, the the um, sorry, I I I, I like the, um, the I mean, like is probably the wrong word, but I find it interesting if um if it's a Sleeping Beauty is and it is Sleeping Beauty with yeah. the seven dwarfs. No, no, it's Snow no White. White. Okay, Snow White. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, is it is it with 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 just edit that part out? Yeah. No, our... I think, I think this is all gold. Um. So it it's 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 it, can we find out if it's Snow White or Sleeping Beauty? Okay, it's but... Snow White with the seven dwarves. No, but whether oh, or not Anne Rice. Anne, Anne Rice. Oh, whether Anne Rice did a um one with like um, I have a notion it's Sleeping Beauty with Dopey. And... <laughs> Thank you for that. I'm now imagining that. That's um... and Doc. There are um, almost certainly worse things out there. Like if you go looking, you'll probably find fanfic to that general. Of course you will. Like, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> well, is that the, rule thirty-four? I believe is that the one. On uh, the I don't remember which rule it oh, is because okay. it is Anne Rice Sleeping Beauty trilogy. Okay. 
Um, so unfortunately, that means no dock for you. It, mm-hmm. It's rule 34. If you can think of a thing, there's porn, which also features incest with that thing. I think uh, it's just porn. I think it's just porn. I think the incest isn't necessary. I, 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 <laughs> and just create a rule 34A in this case. <laughs> yeah. No, the 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 re, re, realization that it it's, it 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 appears ninety five percent of um, kind of erotica or porn online appears to be um, have, <laughs> have 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 some sort of incest uh, thing to it. But yes, so <laughs> Fifty Shades of Grey, which is it's interesting because. Darn. <laughs> Why are, why are you interrupting me? Abby's not finished as far as I can tell. Um, but yeah, so Fifty Shades of Grey is interesting because, as you point out, it began as fan you fiction. You seem comfortable there. Yeah, it began as fan fiction. Uh, James actually changed the characters in it um, and then submitted it. Oh, no, she changed it, published it online. It generated a lot of attention. And then I believe there was almost like a bidding war from several publishers over it as well. Sure, yeah. Um, it was remarkable. It became an overnight sensation. Uh, it sold something like 100 million copies worldwide, 45 million of which in the United States. And that's to give a sense of sort of scale. The last publishing like phenomenon on that scale was The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, which published tw- which, which sold 20 million copies. Um, it generated a lot of debate. It's argued that one of the reasons that it succeeded as much as it did was largely down to the fact that it coincided with the emergence of e-readers. Which allowed people to read the book. I'd heard this too. Yeah, without obviously having to admit that they were reading it, so they could re- people could read it on the train, on the bus, without feeling sort of shamed by people recognizing what they were reading. But it's an interesting you thing. Be proud. Like there's a certain amount of like, uh, uh, well, maybe not this, but when 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 something is, is when somebody is reading something like a little bit raunchy, like in 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 public, you see the person reading that and think. Airplane. I'm glad you're so yeah, confident. Exactly. Are you even 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 if it's like something um, academic with like a kind of like a sexual bent, like somebody on the on the on the train or the bus reading like the like a brief history of sexuality, you're like that person seems interesting and comfortable. Yes. But uh, interesting enough, it is a phenomenon across like nine percent of American women. Uh, have read the book apparently, and that includes nine percent of women who identify as Christian in America, which is fascinating. It was a book that sort of changed the way. Well, the main people... character is Christian. Yeah, obviously that's why it connected. This is a Christian book, uh, but it's sort of it connected with audiences, and I think an underserved demographic in some ways. Well, sure. I mean, because this is the thing: fan fiction kind of is, I think, for like it's a. Would you call it a genre? A form? I don't know. It is like, I'd say 98% women writing and reading it. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of it is very overtly sexual, like written for the purpose of like fulfilling specific fantasies. And I feel like a lot of women, just because maybe they, it wouldn't occur to them to like delve that far into a fandom, wouldn't even be aware that that's there Mm -hmm. catering for them. And so then Fifty Shades of Grey emerges into the mainstream. And it's like, and like when you, like, it's a terribly written book. Like, let's just like yeah. be very clear about that. But when you position it in terms of like fan fiction, it just makes so much sense. Yeah. It's like, this is the, yeah, this is the standard of ra- writing. This is the kind of 
dynamic the, you expect. The labored but sort of predictable uh, tropes mm-hmm. and like dynamics that come with that. So, I mean, it's really interesting to me because I have been like reading and writing fan fiction since I was about 12. So it's like suddenly seeing every, like all these women go, holy butt looks. There's this, this thing that caters to us, you know? Yeah. Uh, which obviously then did generate a lot of controversy because fan fiction, when removed from a fan fiction context, similarly to like, and like put into the mainstream, it, when you take it out of its framework, it is a bit maybe shocking or like more, like it's the same way, I guess it's just like, if someone was like, this porn movie is now like in cinemas, like sort of a blockbuster, like people would be like, I'm not sure how I feel about that, I guess. But yeah, so it's, I think it's really interesting that, but that's like for me, I don't think there's any danger of that no. scenario. I'm loving this. But I mean, have you, guys, have you guys not watched The Deuce? Um, no. Okay, yeah. well, The Deuce is, is about like the, the sex work industry in New York in the 70s. But there's this whole thing about the liberalization of pornography and like screening porn films mm. in sort of cinemas oh, in the late yeah, 70s in New York. Yeah, no, I, I, I just don't think there's much a danger of that happening now. Yeah. I, 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 I think porn used to be um, a lot more kind of um, modest and sort of story driven and almost like people, people were talking about... Um, um, what's her name? Um, the the Emmanuel series, or maybe yeah, or, okay. and but also um, the Deep Throat. Um, oh yes, Debbie does Dallas. That sort of stuff, isn't it? Yes, yeah, yeah. Darren knows much about porn history, apparently. Yeah, yeah, history. So, <laughs> but, but 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 like, I I don't see I don't see really. Um, porn that's being made these days is suddenly becoming mainstream. I know. No, I mean, it, it is mainstream. Uh, but you slap it onto a 17mm film, some cinemas will just screen it. Well, Gaspar Noé's love sort of thing is yeah. that's the argument about it. Yeah, I mean, it's... And I think it's interesting in context of this film. Yeah. Because obviously it's like, oh, Christian, so shocking the things you're into. And you're kind of like... That's what it kind of struck me about this movie. I think it struck a lot of people about this movie. It's like, is this uh, shocking? Really? It, um, it, um, how, how relatively safe it is. I mean, it famously... I'm looking forward to asking Darren lots of questions. Later on. But it famously, it got an R rating, uh, Universal pushed for this to get an R rating in order to ensure its box office. Um, there were originally suggestions that it would get an NC-17, but that was that was vetoed. If you're going um, to push for an R rating, also put things in there that would like deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> you know that famously this movie is rated... Would you want to guess what it's rated in France? PG. 13? Close, but the difference is 12. Okay. The, French, the, French, the French censorship <laughs> board like, took a look at the shades and were like, yeah, if you look, if you're 12, you're capable of handling this. Yeah. Whereas in the States, it was a big deal. Like the director, Sam Taylor Johnson, has cited all sorts of inspirations for this film. And it's interesting reading interviews with her because she's like, oh, I wanted to be like Last Tango in Paris. I wanted to be like Blue is the Warmest Color. I wanted to be like Gaspar Noé's Love. I wanted but, to be rapey. But you, you know, yeah. But you know, rated or um and it's like okay that's so you wanted to be nothing like those influences that you've sort of described there but wasn't there a lot of trouble because el james had a lot of ideas oh yeah about how it was supposed to be yes and she wrote about half the script even though she's not credited as writer on it the the writer described it as one of the most frustrating experiences of her life 
uh, working with E.L. James on the script. Um, to the point where, like, there were suggestions that were very much vetoed, which would have made the movie a lot better. We'll talk about some of them later on. And the director herself was talking about how she was getting phone calls from James, mm. basically dictating how things were going to be on the film. It's telling she didn't come back for the sequels. It- and I, I, oh, sorry. Um, and I think Dornan and Johnson didn't get on very well either. So there was a lot of friction in this movie, but not necessarily the, the good kind of crime. friction that they were yeah. looking for. But Marianne, sorry, sorry. Yeah, it's oh god, it's, has it gone? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, yeah, no. It's fascinating to me that E.L. James actually is such like a controlling creative force on it. Having read the book, um, I just can't describe how much of an improvement this film is like i mean it's still kind of like ultimately i think quite empty at its core but my god i mean dispensing with anna's entire inner inner monologue monologue, her inner goddess if you will oh my god and the fact like i can't describe how much airtime that inner goddess gets in the book and although there was like a reference to it, like someone yeah. calls her a goddess at some point, and I was like, no, <laughs> keep it away. Um, but I think it's, yeah, so it's fascinating to me that James was like, no, we must preserve my vision from fanfiction.net. <laughs> well, famously, like the, the studios, there was this massive studio bidding war around, and apparently, like, other studios offered more money, but what convinced James to sell it to Universal was the fact that they granted her basically final cut on it, which is practically unheard of for somebody who, again, started out writing fan fiction. Famously, it was discovered by the fact that somebody noticed uh, in when she published Fifty Shades of Grey, they noticed the similarities to Master of the Universe, which led to her being outed. She originally didn't concede or acknowledge the origins of the book that had to sort of come out afterwards, which is, is interesting because it's kind of... Then the same thing happened with The Mortal Instruments, didn't it? Yeah, The Mortal Instruments, I think, was the first feature film to be adapted from fan fiction. Well, well, it's adapted from a book which I think also started out as fan fiction, not yeah. directly from yeah. fanfic, but yeah, nevertheless. Which is sort of interesting in the world that we live in, where, like, you know, because you have this, like, IP-driven approach where every other film being released is, like, a superhero film or an adaptation of an old movie or a TV show. It's kind of fascinating that we've reached the point where we're adapting books that are based on fan fiction. I'm wondering when we're going to reach the next step where it's just we go onto fanfiction.net. Sorry, just... I will, like, actually, like, argue that point. Men have been writing fan fiction yeah. for was, years. Yeah, it's just that no, just one, no one calls it fan fiction. You yeah. know, most of the high fantasy genre is Lord of the Rings fan yeah. fiction. Comic books as an industry are just one big fan fiction circle mm-hmm. jerk. Yeah. Like, you know, it's just that when women are doing it not yeah. for money... Yeah. That's when it's something to kind of be derided or it's not considered as prestigious. So. Yeah, that's entirely fair. Like, I mean, mm. there, there are whole arguments about like fandom and the way in which women have been written out of it. So, for example, Star Trek fandom, mm-hmm. uh, to pick an example, which is now like the stereotypical image of the Star Trek fan is like the overweight nerd with acne and glasses asking questions. Like comic book guy. Uh, yeah, asking questions about how the Enterprise could possibly break warp 5.4 when it's been established in episode 2.9. That's the idea. That's the image of Star Trek fans as it exists today. But the origins of Star Trek fandom were largely female driven. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about like Bio Trimble, for example, who would have organized the first sort of convention, the letter writing that saved it. Susan Sackett, who worked with Gene Roddenberry, who also like organized those campaigns. Spockanalia, which was one of the first fan magazines, which was basically like a celebration of Spock as this like sexual icon. But a lot of that was written Sorry. out. What? 
Yeah, I, I had never heard of this. You just said that, like, and of course we all know. Spockanalia. Celebrate this Spock as a sexual icon. Continuing on. But, <laughs> yeah. I jump but, over that. But what happened is that, like, in the in the 70s, men basically, like Richard Arnold, to pick an example from Star Trek fandom, got a hold of the fandom and basically turned this idea of, like, creative, like, fan fiction driven sort of like you know slash fiction famously originated in the star trek fandom and sort of wrote that out it's like we don't we don't really want that and it's fascinating because you can actually see like the 1970s pocketbook line which was basically fan fiction glorious fan fiction you had like kirk and spock stranded in a romulan prison colony together having to comfort each other and this was in like a pocketbooks published like publication and then in the late 70s, people like Richard Arnold arrive and they're like, no, 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 that's that's not really what Star Trek is. I mean, women have always been like carving out spaces for themselves in fandom. Yeah. You know, and it, I mean, I found this really interesting with the recent Star Wars debacle yeah. over The Last Jedi and all these guys being like, you must remake it for us. <laughs> and it was just like, just... Do, like, look, just I'm, write some fan fiction. Exactly. I mean, it's Seriously. just like, oh, like, I'm sorry. Did you feel like this movie didn't cater enough to you? Then just do what women and like LGBT people have been doing for like decades and decades. And like, yeah, get into fandom. You mm-hmm. know, that's, you know, make your own stuff if that yeah. caters to you. But well, I mean, what I, would they give out about then? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, Whose fault would it be? <laughs> I, I love the idea of like calling out like the, the, me, the famous terrible men only edit of The Last Jedi as fan fiction because that would wind up. Yeah, because it is, it is. But it would, that yeah, would in get. In the men only version, is Kylo Ren fighting people in the throne room by himself? Yeah, it's 40 minutes long in total. Um, I haven't watched it. Uh, again, I couldn't find time to watch Fifty Shades. There's no and way I'm watching talking that. Talking to himself in an island. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. But yeah. Distracting from the point. Continue. But but it is that that's like that is like male-driven fan fiction. But describing it as such would just get under the skin of those people so wonderful. That scene mm. with the milk, that's not in it either, is it? No, that scene no. with the milk was that's also. That's a woman. Surely we can all yeah. agree. <laughs> <laughs> Shame. Oh, we don't know. Shame. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Fifty Shades of Grey, which is, is interesting because it sort of sparked... Okay, it sparked a, a, an interesting sort of reaction. First of all, apparently rope sales spiked um, around the release of the book and the film. Second of all, the Good number... Good for the rope. Big rope. <laughs> it did for rope, but the film rope could not. <laughs> the best thing to happen to the industry in years. Um, since high noon, really. And then it also led to uh, an increase, a famously reported increase in the number of... Um, sex toy related injuries uh, in yours uh, around the same time as well but it also led to this sort of like mini- there, there were already so many yeah but <laughs> it just sort of- yeah like it, 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 it was was it a reduction in the amount of improvised sex toy injuries and uh, an increase in the amount of actual sex sex, sex toy, toy in, yeah like le- less le- less light bulbs and more butt plugs. That's um, the data we need. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't have a graph. Exactly. My, my brother has. My brother People is... felt more comfortable getting the actual thing rather yeah. than trying to use household items. Yeah, my brother. Um, I should. I should. I shouldn't mention this on the podcast, but my brother. Oh, um, where is this going? <laughs> works is studying to be a doctor, and so has spent time in an ER. Um, and apparently, you would be surprised how frequently people arrive. With injuries and contusions that they won't explain, but when you get the X-ray back, it explains exactly what the problem I, is. I have heard similar. Not yeah. surprised at all. To the point, yeah, where I'm not surprised <laughs> one <Okay>. bit. 
but yeah, it also led to this sort of. Darren weird... has yet to visit the ER for that reason. <laughs> for a mysterious contusion. <laughs> <laughs> An object. There shouldn't be no object. You What's would gener- a butt plug? Yeah. What do you think it is? <laughs> it's right there in the name. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're literally sitting there. I like the way you. she like is like genital claps. I know what that is. What's a butt plug? <laughs> you know? These are the important questions. But I guess before then, before we move into talking about the spores, and I guess there are only like three questions that need to be asked, right? Maybe even four. First one is, what's a butt plug? Second one is, uh, would you consider this to be one of the worst 100 movies ever made? Is it among the worst 100 movies that you've ever seen? And would you recommend that people watch this movie? So, or Grace, not watch it. <laughs> yeah. I mean... I don't actually, this may be a slightly uh, sacrilegious thing to say, I don't think it's that bad a film. Like, as as a product, it's made very well. It's shot beautifully. I think it's designed gorgeously. There's just, the story obviously leaves a lot to be desired. And so, well, not the performances per se. There's no chemistry between the leads or anything. But I don't think in, in and of itself it's terrible. Yeah. I just don't think the story is particularly beguiling or interesting in any way. So, yeah, so I wouldn't consider it to be one of the worst films I've ever seen. It's not great, but it's not like soul-suckingly terrible either. It's no Jurassic World. Let's put that in. <laughs> it's certainly no Jurassic yeah. World. And that is Speaking the bad of fan movie fiction, by which yeah. I measure all other bad movies. And also bad fan fiction. <laughs> yeah. um, but, uh, and so would you recommend people watch it? I don't think I'd be telling them to rush out and watch it now, but if they were curious about it in any way, I'd be like, you honestly, you probably could do worse. Hmm. Just, you know, prepare to laugh quite a lot. Marianne. You could also just watch Showgirls instead. Showgirls is a much better Showgirls. Anyway. But that that was the, that was curious enough, the NC-17 movie that sunk the rating, basically. This, uh, Showgirls, Showgirls was, was the reason why this couldn't be NC-17, according to Universal. Anyway, sorry, Marianne. Uh, yeah, strong agree with Grace. I think, yeah, it's, I find it like a fairly empty, kind of soulless, highly produced, uh, Mm -hmm. I Thing. really want to swear, <laughs> but I can't. You already have, but we will just. Did edit. I already swear? You did. Oops, sorry, Darren. <laughs> when, when ordering pizza. <laughs> um, but I think yeah, that's like so much of what Hollywood produces, and I do think the reason this attracts particular ire. Yeah. Yeah. It's because it is ostensibly catering to women. Yeah. You know, I don't think it was any worse than, like, a lot of the recent comic book offerings. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, so it's Certainly no problems. worse than Batman versus Superman or Justice League, which are both, like, high sixes on IMDb, whereas this is 4.1. Sure, I mean, yeah, this, like, I mean, there is a couple of laughs in this. I, so, sometimes in sometimes intentional laughs. <laughs> you know, yeah. there's a con- that contract scene is played for laughs. No, well, the, the contract, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about the contract scene in particular. The contract yeah. scene, I would argue, is like the closest thing the movie comes to having like a masterpiece moment where it all seems to click. Sure, I think it's like so. Yeah, I have big problems with the contract. Okay, okay, but we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll um, get to that. So, what were the questions? Sorry, so like a butt plug is a sex toy. Um, <laughs> Thank you, Maria. You can guess where it goes. I don't think it should be in the bottom 100. Yeah. It's definitely not the worst movie I've ever seen. I yeah wouldn't be like oh definitely go see it, but yeah I mean it's. I think it's an interesting cultural moment yeah. actually. Mm-hmm. So and to watch it through that frame is actually pretty interesting. Mm. Andrew, does it belong in the bottom? Yes, uh, a butt plug does belong in, in the bottom. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we, we got through two questions before. 
No, I, I, I. Andrew's been waiting for the get around to. That was great. I'd agree um, that uh, with 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 Grace and Marianne that it's not that bad, and the reason it 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 is down there is is. It's because it's not San Andreas, so yeah. it, it's it's not like catering um, to, 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 to men. men yeah. yeah, but like it, it um it 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 looks quite good. There, um, I'd agree that the chemistry is not good as 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 opposed to um, what's what's the fanfic that 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 uh, Twilight. Apparently, the the chemistry between them was quite good. Is that accurate? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't really, <laughs> I didn't see it Three myself, triums, but yeah. I do think a lot of other people felt that they had good chemistry. I, I, I feel I should also that. say I actually really, really like Twilight, <laughs> and I don't care. You could tell that it was a Twilight um, kind of, um, or derived from that, from the amount of um, lip biting there was. In it. Yeah. But also the very clear was Jacob sort of. Book? Um, yeah. yeah. And also the the sort of Jacob sort of setup with Jose the photographer as well. Yeah. I think and that was the, the moment where Grace turned the piano. Yeah. yeah, and the uh, fact he's ridiculously rich and everything else. And enters her, breaks into her room without asking, and sort of surveils her all the time. Interestingly enough, I would. Um, I don't think this belongs in the bottom 100. This absolutely does not. And the only reason that it's there is because this is a movie that upset lots of men in the way that movies and i'm interested it's interesting that none of the twilight films are down here because around this time in the early 2010s you had this weird thing that coincided with gamergate where you had this acknowledgement that women could be fans of things in the way that men were and it made men really uncomfortable so think of for example hall h in comic-con in 2009 where twilight became this big event it became the biggest panel at san diego comic-con and a bunch of like teenage nerds lost their minds over it because what? It was, yeah because this doesn't cater to them Losing not just their... teenagers <laughs> yeah not just teenagers there were a fair amount of middle-aged let's men let's call them all teenagers <laughs> no well, let's not let them off the hook <laughs> mentally teenagers at best but yeah a bunch of men basically who are used to being catered to exclusively through geek culture suddenly had to acknowledge the presence that there was you know that there was female interest there so you had this huge backlash to the twilight movies of which I'm not a huge fan myself, but I don't hate them in the way that people seem to hate them, if only because, as Marianne pointed out, there are lots of superhero movies or action movies or disaster movies yeah, that are just Man as bad. Man of Steel and Batman v Superman. Uh, I mean, I, I, would, I would argue that Batman v Superman has some deeply interesting stuff happening. Yeah, but on, Man of Steel. Man of Steel, okay, I'll give you Man of Steel and Justice League. Um yeah, there, 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 there's just so so many movies that are worse than this. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't be going out like recommending this. No, no, absolutely not. This is this the, is yeah, this is like consciously a two star middle of the pack. Like, if you're interested in it, give it a look. Um, I do think it's fascinating as a cultural moment, though, as sort of Marianne pointed out, in that it it does represent something interesting. We'll probably talk about this in the spoiler zone. In terms of, it's a very safe mainstreaming of a very bland and vanilla idea of kink in American culture, which is, and we talked about this in the podcast before, where, um, again, we love American culture, just to be absolutely clear, myself and Andrew, I grew up with it, I think it's fantastic, but there's a weird puritanical streak in it, where watching this, it's like, do you guys really think this is particularly kinky? 
And it's kind of interesting to judge. That's reflective of wider American society, though, that they're very, very puritanical about a lot of stuff, while at the same time being extremely fetishistic of gun violence Mm. and various other types of things. Power and money. Yes. Which which plays out in this. You can sit here and analyse psychologically until the end of time, but yes. I I think America as a society is very like that. But I don't think the problem, their problem with Fifty Shades of Grey is the, like the sexiness of it in particular because obviously they have access to the internet you know they have access to porn the problem is that it's out in the open in the mainstream you know and and arguably and we'll probably talk about this in the spores so I'm kind of curious to get your guys perspective on it but that it's aimed at a particularly female kind or at least it seems superficially to be aimed at a female kind of fantasy as opposed to a male sexual fantasy Andrew pointed out like the differences between like retro erotica and modern porn uh, in terms of like story and narrative and such like that. Like this is, you could argue this has more in common with something like the Emmanuel films perhaps than modern pornography. Do you mean, do you mean, uh, do you mean that it makes people uncomfortable? Um, not that men are um, um, uh, watching porn because boys will be boys, but that women yeah. might um, be kind of exploring their sexuality or idea. I think that that's an element of it. it. Yeah, I'd be interested to hear the male perspective on it, honestly, because a lot of, like, obviously a lot of what you hear about this movie is like, oh, yes, catering towards women. And I'm like, I'm not having a good time, so who is this for? Yeah. Um, you won't get any male perspectives here. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's um, yeah, it's an interesting one, and I think because like, I mean, it's very much, and I think for me this is often why I think it's a sort of muddled narrative. It's doing two very classic romance tropes. One is like the amazing rich guy is going to come sweep you off your feet, fix all your problems, even though you're kind of plain and dowdy and a bit useless, like this could still be your life. But the other one is, it's the broken man who you are going to fix like with your pure love. Before we jump into that, then we may segue neatly into into the the spoilers. Oh, sorry, do you want to? No, it's Andrew's job. What are you waiting for? Spoiler zone. So, So, Marianne. So, Marianne, what is Fifty Shades of Grey about for you? Darn, I said it just before the spoilers out. <laughs> but I don't think that, like, would count as a spoiler because, I mean, I don't saying, like, I don't think it's, like, romance trope is as spoiler. But, yeah, I think, yeah, let's move straight on to Grey's because it's just what I said. <laughs> it's not Grace. a movie you can spoil. Yeah, yeah. This um, is, like, a, very much, like, an introduction, anyway. Yeah, no, I agree with Marianne's take on it, but also I just, it's it's a weird one to me because I think you can see the Twilight DNA in it in the sense that, like, Twilight is written very much as kind of almost like a fan fiction in the sense that the lead character is very malleable, very much somebody who could be like a self-insert to, you know, let somebody who feels maybe very sort of wallflowery seen perhaps by somebody that when you're a teenager you're sort of programmed to find attractive. Um, but when you look at it through an adult lens, it is a little bit more disconcerting because you're only seeing the creepy skin crawling elements of the Christian character to go back to what you were saying earlier like yes this may be marketed towards women but it's really problematic and quite uncomfortable but um it opens with what looks like a sequence from American Psycho where he's Mm -hmm. picking out his clothes and putting them on incidentally that was a scene lifted directly from Grey a Fifty Shades of Grey story which was published the same year in a nice bit of cross-media synergy there 
but it is uh, but yeah it, it has this recurring like, I've also ser- read Grey oh you've read you, you read the three books actually I believe as well no I've read the first two of the first trilogy and then I read most of Grey why would you it's read Grey because Grey is just the first one and it, over again right? and it and you know what like oh, oh my god we could go into this go but on. like um, this maybe is we should yeah. um, so like there's almost it's really interesting because it somehow makes him worse Right? Like, you would think that this would be sort of like, okay, we're getting... Humanizing. Yeah, you were getting an insight into, like, what's going on in his head. But, I mean, it's so funny. Like, there's no Rashomon effect. Like, it's, like, exactly like Anna remembers it, just from his perspective, like, in his head. So he's just an even bigger dick. Like, his inner monologue is, is exactly what you would expect of it to be. Just, like, entitled, self-absorbed, poor me. Like, why doesn't Anna understand me? Now I'm annoyed with her for no reason. Like, it's fascinating. I mean, I just want to find E.L. James and be like, why like are you just like this man is he's per because i mean i guess that's the fact the fantasy is that he's like good underneath right he's just not (laughs) well there's this weird thing that runs through it where basically there's and and it's kind of fascinating to talk we'll probably come back and circle around to talking about like the s&m bondage sexual kink aspects of it because they all tie into this as well but like at the core hold on wait when you say that it generally means that we won't circle around to talking about it will we <laughs> we will circle around to talking about it because there's a whole lot of stuff to talk about this and consent and bondage culture and abuse and sort of mm-hmm. cliche portrayals of unity and stuff like that that's very interesting and how you absolutely shouldn't use rope to tie up your, your submissive because it leaves burns and that's very inconsiderate of you yeah. but to talk primarily about uh, the idea of christian um there's this interesting thing because as much as the film like, was seen as being transgressive, or the the novel was seen as being transgressive. I think lots of people point out, like, Roxanne Gray's pointed out that this is the basic fairy tale narrative. It's you you have a broken man, you fix him, you make him better. Richard Brody, um, the critic at The New Yorker, compared it to films like Pretty Woman, for example, which is the story of, like, as he pointed out, a dowdy young woman, but, like, a, a woman who is from a lower class, who stumbles upon, like, this American fantasy of this hyper, upwardly mobile, self-made triumph of capitalism man who doesn't understand the concept of physical boundaries and can't understand why trying to own you might be a bad thing. Understands the concept of physical boundaries when applied to himself. Yes, to be absolutely clear. <laughs> but there's this weird recurring motif that runs through the film where Anna very much, like, Anna wants a conventional romantic relationship. And she repeatedly says, why can't we do this like normal people? Why can't you sleep in my bed like a normal person? Why can't we go out to dinner and a movie like normal people? And the film is very consciously pushing, as much as it, like, has these little shades of kink, like the red room of pleasure, um, it also is very much Anna pushing for, like, a heteronormative, very stable, very conventional relationship with Christian. And the idea is that that's the right answer. Well, that's the right answer. The movie's like, you can fix this man. This man is a little kinky, a little edgy, but you it, can make him better. I would have thought the the interesting thing would be if 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 it was the um, um, his sexual proclivities that drew her um, to him. But it, it's not. It's mm. it's all it's all of the nice things he buys yeah. for her. It's, it's the money. And, it's and, the car. And, and, and the, the, the idea and that uh, uh, deep down he might be a good person, even though he keeps telling her that he isn't. Yeah. Um, um, but there's a lot of that. He, he he helps fight world hunger because he too <laughs> was hungry as a child. <laughs> 
we no, all no. just like for vagina, right? <laughs> like that's well, at, at the start, he's like, it's a good business practice. He's um, like, sir, uh, at, at a college, like kind of commencement address, and he's like, I too am hungry. But that pussy, <laughs> all right. Give me a high five, hey, bro. Yeah. yeah. Um, but th- there is this. Sort of okay, sorry. Just like while maintaining <laughs> eye contact with Anna. It's like... But there is this sort of like weird thing that runs through it, and it's it's kind of interesting because like this is seen as something flattering for from the movie's perspective that like Christian crosses these boundaries, buys all these gifts. He has a like a repairman come into her house and presumably not only install a laptop for her, but also Wi-Fi in the apartment and as well. Probably a webcam. And cameras. Yeah, yeah, definitely cameras. Well, yeah. And a um, GPS and everything else. Have you guys watched Barry, the TV show with Bill Hader? No. Um, there's a really great twist early on and this is one of the things where the guys in the writing room, right? They can't, there's a point where the female lead breaks her laptop. And she's broke and she can't afford it. And the guys in the writing room were like, well, this is a great opportunity to get Barry closer to him. Let's have him just buy her a laptop and give it to her at a party. And the women in the, the writer's room were like, that's Butt-lucks. creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, because it is. Uh, but it's weird how this movie is kind of like, actually, Barry really should have just gotten her Wi-Fi as well while he was doing it. It's like, it, it, is, is that a fantasy? Like, a, I think it's a, I, I, I suspect it's a male fantasy that mm. you can buy uh, that, like, you're, you're, the, re- the reason you go to kind of, like, work to get rich is so that you can impress a woman into, like, kind of going along yeah. with I, anything. I, I like the, the idea that you can, you can buy affection and intimacy, which, you know, funnily enough, may be presented as transgressive here, or something that makes him kind of a... A bit of an unusual character or whatever but it's something that's programmed into rom-coms like for decades loads of people doing weird creepy stalkerish behavior that's meant to be seen as this lovely romantic like endearing thing and somehow building up enough credits to earn them the affection of the woman they're pursuing yeah. this is just a much more overt version of it and if anything it's actually interesting that they portray it in an edgy enough way to make it seem weird yeah. and creepy mm, that they amplify so that people it. can notice it's yeah. weird and creepy whereas, yeah that like, anna say, is actively like get out yeah. of my apartment you know that's exactly yeah. whereas you but know, i'm gonna in, keep in the car other films like say pretty in pink or whatever everyone's just like oh ducky <laughs> you're so cute butt looks psycho Anyway, but yeah, but there is something like weird in in that dynamic and the way in which the film presents it, and it's kind of it's odd because again, you're you're right when you point to rom coms, you generally have like the the wealthy man who meets this like working class woman. So think of like you've got Mail, for example, where Tom Hanks is like this billionaire who owns this like anonymous corporation, and Meg Ryan is the bookstore owner who has this small local business, and you have this sort of dynamic and push and pull between them, and it's kind mm-hmm. of interesting. We talked a little bit about like American hangups and stuff like that, but it's weird how capitalism is like intertwined with sexuality, where it's like not only is it that your partner has to be like hunky and shirtless. And by the way, I, we'll talk a little bit about the sex scenes later on because the sex scenes in this are amazing. They're like the superhero action sequences in any other blockbuster because they have like the set rhythms that they follow, which are amazing. It's like, okay, now he's going to stand up and take off his shirt no matter what he's doing before that point. Now he's going to uh, rip a condom with his teeth. Then... There's a lot of ripping uh, condom wrappers <laughs> with yeah. teeth in yeah. this movie. Which, like, in fairness, safe sex kids. Yeah. yeah. Plain black 
Condoms, like, are they like, I don't know, bespoke? Monogram. Yeah, they have like CG on them. Yeah. Gray on the wrapper, yeah. like everything else. And then, like, obviously sitting down after sex and playing the piano as well. It's like, I like the way that, like, these are these, mood after yeah, these are like the action sequence beats, but for sex scenes in Fifty Shades of Grey. It's, it's a really, it's a really sad, haunting tune. What's it called? <laughs> Suck my love pump. <laughs> Um, you're not I sorry la- <laughs> you didn't know what you were doing I, I, really, I find the minor keys very sad um, sorry um, but, <laughs> but it is weird how all of this like how Fifty Shades of Grey so effortlessly ties all of that up in capitalism right down to like the contract the uh, the infamous like contract which is reprinted several times in the book um, oh um, my god it's interminable it's just <laughs> like I th- you're, you're in the book and you're just like she's gonna make me read the whole contract this is your, this is your apple terms of service <laughs> right <laughs> nobody the, the... I, I particularly like the the law and order montage of the contract terms as negotiated by him by christian where they have this montage of him going through his day but he's reading out the contract terms so it's it's like one of those sequences in law and order where they're like did you you know so do you consent to butt plugs do you consent to being present when asked? Do you consent to? And it's very much like it's for a movie that's not nominally about sex. It's incredibly unsexy. Yeah. It's incredibly like commercialized and sort of very like. So Darren, how would you? <laughs> how would you uh, like? What if you were to come in and do a treatment on this? Uh, <laughs> uh, how 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 would you make this a sexier movie? Um, I feel like I feel like there's not enough time in the podcast to properly get down to that, Andrew. Um, you don't want to th- give it away for free. Oh yeah, that's it exactly. Like if you guys are coming for a reboot, if you guys are filming Grey, I know you've got Jamie Dornan under contract. Hit me up. I have some great oh ideas. Oh my god, do they have that poor man for Grey? Oh no. Yeah. Jamie should have read your contract. <laughs> I mean, you know that he read the dollar sign. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know. I mean, did he have like fine. emails back and forth going with like his with his agent being like uh, what? What's a Saints. retainer? Yeah. 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 Um, uh, Fifty Shades Freed, is that the third? Yeah. And yeah. that was quite a popular movie this year. Yeah. Yeah. Like it did better than a lot of things that we've seen. We've, we've covered on the yeah. podcast as well. Yeah. No, like this this movie was incredibly financially successful. The book was incredibly financially successful. I wouldn't be surprised to see Grey coming up. But it is weird how incredibly unsexy the sex is aspect of this movie is no, and how no, all... I, I I enjoyed the the piano bit I was like oh that's kind of cool <laughs> um, the, 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 as, as 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 in the the like are we going to t- talk about like whether any of this movie was hot or not well, like wish... if, if we, it, oh sorry Continue, Andrew. No, I was, I was just thinking, like, if this were a comedy, you would judge it by, like, the kind laughs. of, like, do you yeah. get any laughs out of so it? So did you get an erection, Andrew? <laughs> um, but I wish one of us had found it sexy, because I really want to talk to a I've never met a woman who finds this sexy. Yeah. Like, I would love to talk to her, whoever she is. That one like, woman who's bought 45 million copies. But just, like, be like, why? What? 
You know, because it is literally baffling to me. Well, this is interesting because, again, there's there's been... And, again, all I've done is read think pieces on this. I haven't actually had conversations with women who've enjoyed Fifty Shades of Grey. Unfortunately, our budget doesn't extend to running research groups. But, like, a lot of the think pieces that we that are sort of cover it and interview people who have, like, read the book and enjoyed the book, one of the things they talk about is many of them concede that the prose is awful and it's terrible. Yeah. Uh, but they say that what it's interesting for doing is it's interesting for allowing conversations to take place both conversations with their women friends about sex because you can't ask well have you ever tried being handcuffed and whipped that's not really a proper conversation starter but you can say this book 50 shades of gray have you read it it's like yeah some of the stuff in there is pretty interesting and you can get into it that way it's also for women apparently of certain backgrounds and again it's really dismissively referred to as mummy porn which is speaks of how condescending we are towards women who enjoy that sort of thing but i mean the, uh, the stereotypical fan of Fifty Shades of Grey is presented as a woman in her 30s or 40s, a suburban housewife, or somebody who you would least expect it of in inverted commas. But like for them, they've talked about how it's allowed them to talk about with their husbands, uh, wanting to do things that were a little bit more adventurous than what they would have done before. I mean, I can mm-hmm. see that. And I mean, to be clear, it's not the content. Like, I mean, all that stuff in another context could be very hot. It's something about the way it's presented. And I mean, I think we're onto something with it all being wrapped up in like capitalism and like sex as like literally a contract and all that kind of thing. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's fascinating actually how profoundly unhot they yeah. like. That's a feat in itself. Yeah, <laughs> It's very strange because her reaction to it, not like kind of like, oh, I've no like, well, I guess for, for, for first of all, um, maybe maybe there's an extent to it. Like, I'm kind of interested to 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 know what happens in, in, in the rest of it, because this movie isn't like Ends a, on a cliff isn't really a movie. It, yeah. yeah, it's it's very much like the first part of a trilogy. Yeah, it cuts on it cuts on basically her <laughs> having... not paying attention in a business meeting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, which, which, which again, like this is one of those like how intertwined capitalism is. It's like a like, signifier. How do we? I signify... find I get more and more lucky the harder I work. <laughs> it's yeah. like, and do you work hard? No. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> I, I love that, yeah, the movie sort of codifies all this work stuff that he's doing as sitting. Like, the company apparently employs nothing but beautiful women and four, yeah. four other guys who are old who sit in a room and talk at him occasionally. The movie's bookended with scenes of Christian Grey in meetings with these guys where nobody's paying any attention to what's going on whatsoever. He has one angry phone call yeah. where he says, 24 hours! Get it done. Mo- Business. Most, <laughs> most of it, though, he just looks Capitalism. like he's in the background of a PowerPoint slide. <laughs> like, <laughs> with people kind of, like, talking, and it's like, hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's a very good point. <laughs> Um, um, yeah, it turns out the biggest turnoff was capitalism all <laughs> along. <laughs> but the, the, the thing I found really strange, though, was 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 that her her reaction to it. Is part of it that she is a um, virgin and hasn't really um, experienced sex. So the whole idea of this, um, there is there isn't really any separation between this being this being about sex and this being about, about kind kink. of. Yeah, she she her she takes it as a kind of an affront that like he would want to do these things to me. It's like, why do you want to punish me? Um, it, it do it, it's almost like, don't you like me? And it's like, why do you want to? 
why do you want to do hurtful things to me? What have I done to deserve this? And and like it's very it's very apparent that she doesn't really kind of I suppose um that this isn't sexy to her because yeah. she doesn't get it at all. But, but it's also like, like it presented uh, but that's like makes sense within the universe of 50 shades of gray because like she's like why do you want to do this to me? And instead of saying because I get off on it, he's just like, it's just the way I am. I'm so damaged. And, and like his kink is like, like explicitly linked to him being damaged. I, yeah, no, no. Like, like the, I like, really don't like that. In... This is worth talking about. No, I don't like either. It's this like... is one of the big issues with the film for people who are into bondage and are into kink. It's that it presents kink as something about Christian that A, needs to be fixed and can be mm-hmm. fixed by a right woman. So it's like, don't worry, one day he'll have vanilla missionary sex and he'll learn to enjoy it like everybody else does. Which but there's they a, do have do, yeah, yeah, It's the first <laughs> sex they have. It's like, you've never had sex before. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I have sex with you, but it's going to be very, very plain. Yeah, yeah. Um, so like you'll enjoy this uh, <laughs> because it'll be your first time. But also, I have some things that you will not enjoy. But we'll that, get around that, to that we must do eventually. It's like, why do you want to hurt me? I don't want to, but I must. But like again, you're right. It's tied to obviously. It's tied to. First of all, we discovered that he was raped at the age of 15 by Kim Basinger, by Mrs. Robinson, who's played by Kim Basinger in the next movie. Uh, we uh-huh. also discovered that like his mother was. Nice. Sorry. His, Jesus, <laughs> Andrew. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Um, so inappropriate. Yeah. Oh, so inappropriate. Yeah. Why do you keep bringing him back? <laughs> yeah. I don't the, know, Andrew. I, we signed a contract. Um, <laughs> he just appeared. It was very, here. very bonding. There, um, has nobody else seen that episode of South Park where yeah. Ike is having a relationship with his kindergarten teacher? Yeah. And all the cops are like, nice. <laughs> but anyway. Uh, anyway. But it's also later revealed that later that Christian has this like Don Draper serial killer origin story where his mother was a prostitute and a crack addict and while he can't remember her he can remember terrible things. Terrible things that happen to him. It's implied at the end that when he goes all out on Anna which involves taking down a belt rather than an expensive sort of like fetish object or a whip or a crop where he just lays into her six times and makes her count out loud. The film presents that almost as if he's repeating abuse that would have happened to him as a child. And it's presented as something that like Anna needs to fix, which is a very uncomfortable portrayal of kinky sex. It's like the only way that you could enjoy kinky sex in the world of Fifty Shades of Grey is if you were A, a child abuse victim, but B, a child abuse victim who was reenacting your trauma on other people. And that's very, very weird. Something hot about that, though. I'm sorry. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> every, every Not at all. This is going yeah. exactly as well as I thought it would. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I picked this movie to cover. Um, but yeah. <laughs> Marianne, Grace, do you have anything you would like to add on that note? Um, I want to see this. <laughs> This is such a weird one because I, there's a temptation to read a certain level into this film that I just don't think is actually there. Um, but I'm really fascinated at the way this, this the combination of like the, the kinky in inverted commas sex versus say Anna's more conventional desires to just like go to the movies and hang out occasionally is presented. It's like you could almost look at this as like this weird juxtaposition of like, you know, a sort of an inner more feral sexual desire dueling against a desire to be more like socially 
acceptable. Acceptable, exactly. And then you're sitting here and you're thinking, is this what this is about? Is this about like this kind of combine of, of her like sort of coming of age sexually and thinking, do I want to be more adventurous and try these things? Or do, no, do I just want to be like everyone else, like in inverted commas, because we don't know what everyone's like behind closed doors. And then I'm like, am I reading way too much into something that's actually just a bit Well, crap? the film's answer is yes. Yes, you yeah. want to be exactly like everybody else. Why would you want yeah. a red room? But then room? it's also I... really problematic, as you said, to imply that the only reason somebody would be a bit yeah. more adventurous sexually is because they had a really messed up childhood mm-hmm. and or abusive um, um, were a, a survivor of abuse in the yeah. past. It's like that's, that's the problem a lot of movies have uh, de- dealing with sex. It's why Sex in the City 2 was so uh, bad, which I haven't seen but I've heard everything about. But that it, that it, 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 it makes... I, presi- I, I imagine we're going to end up watching it. No, it's not on. It's not on. Oh, okay. But it, but it, my understanding from that, because this is spoiler zone for all movies, is that they make Samantha this kind of like um, object of fun, and that's like why I don't want to really watch um, yeah, Sex in the City too. Having seen a lot of Sex in the City, it's a lot of rich people having non problems. But you know, oh, this, yeah. this is a story for another time. But it's. Sex in the City 2 is an interesting one because there's stuff in there that's actually re- like they could have made a decent film out of like you know the perennial question about motherhood versus career and how to balance them and you know perfectly human problems shall we say that you could talk right. about in wider society that but get I believe lost it's dealt with in a very facile yeah, way of, of capitalistic crap yeah I mean like oh my god all these poor people like we lost all our money like oh what do we do you know and you're just like why I don't care about this I I, I, watched, yes. <laughs> I mean, come on, like, this is a movie where the movie that we're watching involves a first date where a guy flies his girlfriend in a helicopter to Seattle. Mm. By the way, I love I love how Christian Grey is indistinguishable from a serial killer in the way that he dresses yeah. like Patrick Bateman. He flies her to Seattle, which was like he the murder capital. He the hardware of, store and yeah. asks for, like, masking tape and rope and a bunch of other things. And she even makes a joke. She's like, this is like your serial killer starter kid. What? Yeah, and he's like, no, that's The Fall. That's the other show that I work on. I wonder um, if that's what it was meant to be, like a wink. But there's also... Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 and I mean, I love how, like, Seattle reflects his mood. He's like this Heathcliff in a skyscraper. When they have the big argument, you have the rain suddenly beating down mm-hmm. in Seattle despite the fact and that he goes running in the yeah. rain too like, like, it's just so damaged can I just say Seattle was the real star of this movie <laughs> yeah. some lovely vistas of Seattle <laughs> I want to go visit to be clear like Seattle is probably best known as the home of Frank Black on the 90s serial killer drama Millennium it's hard for me not to and the home of Nirvana obviously and grunge is so it's Seattle kind of, not where Grey's Anatomy is set though it may be now actually oh, Seattle General yes yes it would yeah of, also, of the Seattle Grays? <laughs> is this actually um, Seattle or is it Vancouver masquerading Seattle? No, okay. uh, Vancouver, I think, is where she goes to college. Yeah. Yeah, and then right. Se- I saw the needle. Yes. Yeah, so it's, see, uh, see, it's strange the way Seattle is kind of really uh, fantasized in this movie. She's like, oh, wow, Seattle. <laughs> like, the whole time it's like, ooh, Seattle. Like, now, now, I, now I feel like a city mouse. It um, is. It, like... I can't, it's really weird because a lot of stuff from the book, they try to preserve bits of it, but her character in the book is just like, you shouldn't be alive. Like, she doesn't know, like, and this thing with the laptop, in the book, he sends her a laptop and she's like, how do I fire this thing up? And it's like, you're graduating from college in like a modern Western city. Like what's happening? How like, do you do research? She literally like doesn't know how to like log on. What? And I think she well, doesn't maybe, have a phone. Maybe he her a Mac and she's not a Mac person. Yeah. Yeah, she doesn't I mean, have a phone in the book. And so, yeah, in the book, it's really believable that she'd be like, wow, the city. <laughs> it, would, 
it would explain a bit how why she had to ask what book plugs were. Or it's like, I gave you a laptop specifically to do research for this project. But that's just not understanding what language is. Like, it's, that's, like what, <laughs> it's like you also gave me the books. Like I'm trying to get through them, and then I'll read all the porn that you sent me. Like I was, I was wondering like what was on the favorites tab of the laptop that Christian ah, sent. So good. But like there is something interesting in the way that Fanning. I want you to understand that I'm very dark. I want you to look at the first thing that comes up on Google. <laughs> yeah. like, when you type um, this word in. Yeah. yeah. Want, like, it's like a neon green book. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But, um, there, there is this sort of like interesting dynamic in the way that like Dakota Johnson plays Anna, which is weird. It's almost like butts against it because there's points where it feels like, well, first of all, Johnson, I think we can agree, is a lot stronger than Dornan in this. Oh, yeah. Not yeah. that Dornan has Nine like mile. a lot of material to work with. Like Dornan's primary role is to drive cars, vehicles, helicopters and look at Anna while driving them. Sure. Uh, <laughs> slowly, this like slow Amazing. It feels like he he feels the same way about this movie as IMDb users. Yeah, no, it really does come across. In his his contract, there was famously a prohibition on showing his todger. Uh, which is his you own really description. You really get to see it. You, you just when he's unbuttoning yeah, his pants. Get to, see, know, get to see a little bit of the top of the todger. Yeah. Are we calling it a todger? Yeah. This is his Can description we, of it. Yeah. Uh, penis. All right, fine. But junk. Um, Johnson. Um, cock. Dick. You think I'm afraid of this word? I'm not afraid. <laughs> I'll use all the words. <laughs> that are acceptable within a PG-13 context. Um, but yeah, because they had to ditch the ad. They ditched the added pubic hair to both himself and uh, Dakota Johnson. Really? Yeah. yeah. Which is interesting to note. I love that VFX guy who's like, I love my job. So in R-rated movies, can you not show... Um, like, no. Pubic uh, hair. Penis. You can't show penis, you can't show vagina. What? Really? You can show butts, you can show breasts, as happens a lot. Like, this is the double standard that exists in the film where... What movies can you show penises in, then? Uh, NC-17 movies. Like, this was the deal with, like... Is it rated less than... Yeah, NC-17. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) In fairness, these are all American things. Yeah, they are. Now, or or means restrictive, which is basically if you are... If you are under uh, 17, you need a parent Why to bring it. Why not make it. an NC-17 and get some... Um, well, that, that's what we talked about there, because Showgirls... Get some dogs. Well, sh- Showgirls was <laughs> NC-17, um, and it bombed at the box office. So the idea of an NC-17 rated... Like, you got to keep in mind, this was around the time of Deadpool, which was one of the first R-rated blockbusters. And this was obviously... This was the highest grossing R-rated movie before Mad Max Fury Road. Right. Fun fact. That was R-rated? That really? was R-rated, yeah. Why? Uh, Why? Why? But they throw a pregnant woman under the wheel of a car and rip a baby out of her stomach. I mean, but that's they don't a show very fair point. The baby <laughs> I think there is. You might see some full frontal nudity in it, do you? You may as well. Yeah. But um, yeah, that was that was R-rated and was the mm-hmm. highest question. When you also pull your man's face off at one point, and Morton Joe's face off at a certain point. But they don't fair. show it. Yeah, really? you see it very. I can face off. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they don't put it on anybody else. No. They no. just waste. That's a face waste, is what. That yeah. Is. Speaking of wastes, um, that's the, the the contract scene. The contract scene, which is the best scene in the movie by a considerable margin. Yeah. Because it's the point at which capitalism and sexuality. Fully collide head on as this movie always wants them to do. And it kind of want... looks like a Nicholas Winding Refn. It does with the lighting. There's a moment like, and just the... read in this. There's the yeah. moment where he goes, "I can tell you're blushing," and you're like, "Really in this light?" I feel yeah. like, yeah. 
Yeah. Straining her poor eyes. Sorry, <laughs> Andrew, you had an opinion on the contract. <laughs> <laughs> but like, for, I guess first of all, I wanted when she said, um, what's a butt plug? And somebody walked in for him to just continue explaining what a butt plug was yeah. while she sits there and uncomfortably. And like, this is not his first Yeah, career. yeah. Like, and and Yeah, and that they're, they're, they're not going to be smirking yeah. because like, if they do, they're fired, <laughs> presumably. And, and they're, they're They've been, they've been or asked. even better, have one of them explain what a butt plug is. Yeah. Taylor, yeah. Taylor arrives, um, and yeah, they've probably they're probably the ones who type this up. Well, that's exactly because <laughs> like, you wonder about like the con- it and the, they're just like mm. the, con- the legal department, which presumably son- runs through his NDAs, which I love. One imagines that there's some poor intern in the NDA in the legal department whose job it is to go. So vaginal? Do I have to specify anal and vaginal fisting separately? Yes, you do what I tell you. They're probably I know what bored. Back, son. I'd be bored. Yeah. <laughs> just like anal fisting, vaginal fisting, just copy paste. <laughs> fisting, fisting, fisting. Please get back to telecommunications contract. <laughs> Can we please talk about some poor people in Africa? Yeah, bring me back to the NDAs, please. Uh, but yeah, sorry, you were talking about the the wonderful contract scene. Yeah, but the 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 the, the thing that the let fisting. it down is that they left without. Um, well, yeah, I, I, yeah, obviously she that she turned down anal fisting and vaginal <laughs> fisting without ever trying it. But uh, more importantly. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there was the sushi that never got well, you, you guys wanted the masculine perspective on the contract scene um, but also Anna how did you how is she oh, yeah, like but... oh I know fisting no fisting thank you sir what's a butt plug like how they, what they do seem like two equally self explanatory <laughs> words but also how did her research what path did that follow that she like, ended up well, it's not like water sports maybe, where you might need some explanation of, of, of yeah, what that maybe means. Maybe she's seen like Shane Sagumi because there's a scene in that where somebody explains what fisting is but she has not seen anything with an equivalent explanation for a book. Sure. Yeah. I'm giving her a lot of credit here but nevertheless. But yeah, there's also there's, the sushi rolls. There's so much fetish things uh, that could need explanation like yeah. to a general audience but yeah. they've taken all of the really kind of as you say, kinky like stuff. Explanatory. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, like when he got, even when he goes into the red room, which infamously, uh, Dornan apparently rehearsed all his scenes in the red room set, so he would feel perfectly comfortable with it. But yeah, it's, uh, it's, oh, are it you trying to put caution to this? But Johnson <laughs> preparation. Johnson is. never saw the red room before the final week of the shoot, where they did all the scenes in the red room. So her reaction on entering it was meant to be actual surprise. Uh, but it's a very. But there's nothing in it that's that it. would it's... make you feel really weird. You just yeah. go, oh, okay. Just yeah, like it's fifty whips. different types of flogger that he does not know how to use. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, <laughs> like, it's like wow, you do have a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you have like fifty of the same object. But that's what it is. It's nothing like kinky about yeah. it. It's just like it's another ostentatious display. It's of like well. a yeah. gun rack. It, it may as well be a museum. It's like an exhibition of like, and this is what you know some rich people find. Yeah. So I I bought my you know I bought my fiftieth flogger. Um, and, this... and he controls a room with an iPad. Like, yeah, which, yeah, which is really really. Really nice. There's, there, I'm surprised there's, it wasn't like good morning, Christian. <laughs> Sir, please. Uh. There's a moment when she asks, like, how many women have you had here? And like straight away he's like fifteen. And she's shocked because that's because that's a that's huge a amount. Number. Is it? <laughs> like how, how if, long if has he had this playroom? If you're like, someone who's if, never had sex before, you're probably thinking fifteen. Wow, and that's I guess it's supposed to be the audience for this movie, where yeah. it's like fifteen. Yeah. Can you imagine? What are the he's twenty seven, so that yeah. seems like a really reasonable say, number. He's had this room for maybe what 
he is he only twenty seven in this? Yes. Because until the age of twenty one, he 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 was uh, with Kim Basinger. Three years of that, which was fine. Um, but I'm um, sorry. Depending on the state. <laughs> no, I I, I I I beg your pardon. In like Kentucky. Yeah, it's a very different story. Probably. Very different story in Kentucky. Um, but what you were saying. Um, so he's maybe say say he. Say he suddenly became a billionaire at like a a at twenty two, like on the a, dot. A, a year after he's had it five years. It's like maybe like three people per year that Four get, get into the playroom. Yeah, he might have some overlap. I mean, there's no restrictions on him having overlap. You no. Know? So, yeah, and then like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you were here. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, <laughs> yeah. Monica. Yeah. Or if it's three years. Like, a little bit of retail. <laughs> what he does have a little bit of retail is like Frida Ora, who provided the soundtrack, but also plays his sister. I can't believe uh, she got silly so at the start for like one yeah. scene. Also, does she randomly speak French at some point? <laughs> it's kind of implied that no one else at the table speaks French. If she did, it wasn't French. Well, I mean, like, <laughs> it, it's worth noting, yeah, how incredibly white the movie is. We want to talk about like the, the movie's sort of connection to capitalism and stuff like that. Jose, the... Um, yeah, wait a minute. I was just going to be like... Like, is there anyone non-white in this movie? Ho- Jose the Predator is is not white. Yeah. Who exists primarily to be Anna's friend and the beta male to Christian's alpha. Christian who, like, is like, hey man, she said no. Yeah, that's it exactly. Yes. Like he gets her, he gets her, he gets her drunk. Well, he doesn't even get her drunk. She gets drunk with him and then he gets handsy and tries to kiss her against, with no consent. And Christian, who's all about consent, which is an interesting dynamic in the film, is all like, hey, she said no. Um, he also says later babes. He um, is not all about consent. Yeah. Yeah. And then he brings her back to his hotel and like undresses, undresses her, her and just kind of keeps her there. And also like when she get, like drunkenly rang him instead of like hanging up or not answering the phone like a normal person would. He's all like, where are you? Have you been drinking? That's exa- it's a- so funny how that's not in terror. Like, because there are moments where Anna is like pushing back and she's like, oh, this yeah. is a bit weird. It's when weird she- that you want to do this. But he's like, you drank too much. You put yourself in danger. And she's like, yeah, Actually, you're right. Hindsight, yeah. And it's like, yeah. what? <laughs> she's had like a couple, like she right. hasn't, yeah. It's <laughs> like like rape culture writ large. There, that, that it's is, just yeah. like, it's your fault for getting yeah. attacked. And she's like, oh, shit. Because I mean, there, there is the moment where later on. Did wear those shorts. Where her roommate is, is dating Elliot, who is like the lesser grey yeah. um, sort of sibling. And she's all like. That, that I feel- like single shot of them like sort of briefly riding on the couch is, is more interesting than every other sex. Yeah, yeah I wanted to see more of that. I thought Anna and Kate, but- is that her roommate? The blonde? The blonde right. I thought there was more chemistry between them than between like Anna and Christian. What was insane was that she's the poor um, uh, young woman and Grey is the kind of rich billionaire. Um, Anna and Kate are loaded. Well, yeah, they and their families are loaded. Yeah, they are students. Yeah, and yeah but that's another thing that American movies tend to have, where well, it's like people from like movies, yeah. the the wrong side of the tracks, and they live in enormous buttlocks. But but they don't have that many decorations. Yeah. It's like they've got lots of empty space in this epic studio apartment yeah. they happen to. Like, but and, I mean, and, and it, it kind of ruins the movie a little bit because it's like these are these are first editions of 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 um, Tess of Tom Hardy, yes. um and uh, the the here's a brand new um, Mac, uh, Mac and, and a brand car. new car, and it's like, oh yeah, yeah, I got that when I turned twenty one. Like these are rich people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's They're not just really the same. Kind of fairy tale. Oh um, well, yeah, 
But I mean, it, it's I don't know. Just in terms of going back to Elliot, I do like the discussion at the dinner table where they talk about Jose, who is like after trying to assault <laughs> Anna. Um, like at that point, Elliot's girlfriend and her roommate are like, "Oh, Jose is perfectly cool." I think Elliot's trying to poach him, at which Elliot's like, "He's a cool guy," and it's almost like I would love to have a non-white friend. Um, it's really, really creepy and uncomfortable, but in a way that it ignores. How Jose, as presented, is also creepy and uncomfortable. It's weird how, like... Yeah, I mean, he's not presented as that creepy. No, I mean, like, I... juxtaposed with Christian, yeah. it's like, oh, he got a bit handsy while he was drunk. Yeah. All yeah, right. Because like, you're just I'm... like, oh, yeah, that's a bit rough. But he, he's not, like, actually, like... Acting out his abuse. On yeah, and, and just... Why do you want to hurt me? Yeah, but also, like, can we just cut back to that moment where she wakes up after she was apparently super wasted and boked all over herself and so on, and then he just says completely, just what does he say? Keep saying, like, bizarre oh, It was like, yeah, it was like, she's like, if did you... you are mine. No, she's yeah. like, she's like, did you undress me? And he's just like, I didn't have a choice. Yeah. And it's like, you... 100% did my yeah. man like there were a also, lot of like, other options but, this perfectly normal exchange where he gives her some toast and then yeah. he's like I if would, you were I'd mine yeah if you were mine I'd tell you like, what? and then he leans over and bites her toast yeah I like that the movie I like that the movie did that though because they had her like reaction which is what what and and then he says something later on in the scene and she's like what did you say oh uh, she is completely like um, perplexed by the whole thing. It's like, is this? I feel like he said some very strange things. Yes. It's a very inappropriate. Yeah. I mean, I Dakota Johnson acted the perplexed. Oh, the she's great. You yeah. know, because I mean, to make that character even faintly likable and relatable is such a feat. And I think she was at her strongest when she was doing those "excuse me" yeah. moments because yeah. I feel like as a woman. Those were the moments where I like most closely yeah. related to her, where well, you when would she was be like, back, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, and just or just yeah, being perplexed. Yeah, like. it's, it's a very realistic sort of. Everyone else heard that, right? Yeah, because <laughs> a, a lot of her pushback though um, is just about like kind of the um, kinky sex stuff. Yeah, because and I suppose part of it is that he doesn't really explain it. Um, yeah. like like that, that's the He's issue. Kind of like, I mean, in principle, I have no problem with this, but can we actually talk about like what you mean? Yeah. Like, what exactly mm. do you want? And he's just like, oh, you just don't get it. He's yeah. like, she was Butt-plugs. virgin, like, yeah. the other day. Of course yeah. she doesn't get it. Yeah, no, she, he's really bad at, yeah, because it's, like, presented, again, as this, like, mysterious, dark thing. Brute. As opposed to something that a lot of people do. Yeah. You know, without any particular angst. Yeah. Which, I guess, is kind of part of the fantasy of it. But it, it, it does come across as very, um... Yeah, I suppose... Go on. Oh, sorry. I was sorry. trailing off into nothing, so it's really helpful. <laughs> I, I, um, I, suppo- I suppose it is probably helpful if you're engaging in kinks to not make it seem too kind of standard. And, um, and I, I, but, but, like, you, you, do, you don't want to take uh, completely the, uh, away the sense of it being taboo. Um, sure. Yeah. You want but, to have that sort of dark edge. Because, I mean, again, this is very much like he name checks Charlotte and Emily Bronte, you know, early in the film. Oh, my god. And gosh. this is very much like, this is very much like, 
the like leaving cert English grade understanding of Heathcliff as a character where he mm. broods and he's obnoxious and he's violent and he's dangerous but damn it isn't he sexy and if you are just the right person you could probably make a decent man of him which that is- part is really funny though because it's almost like he asked her you know who was it like Bronte Austin or, or Hardy Hardy. and it's like he's got three strategies in his head and she says Hardy he's like <laughs> so, strategy yeah. C <laughs> yeah we're following that line. <laughs> we I have to way. get rid of these first edition copies of Wuthering yeah, Heights like, choose your own adventure yeah, so we're one. not doing a Mr. Darcy like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not bringing her to Austin land and I'm not recreating the Moors yeah. uh, we're in Hardy fact going straight to the rapiest yeah. of those three choices. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe it was a completely different movie. If, 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 if she had said Jane Austen. Is there a version of the movie where like, he takes her to his house and is like, what's that in the attic? Jane Eyre. I do like the idea of him like, taking her there and be explaining that this man who looks uncomfortably like Robert Pattinson once stole the love of his life and that's why he's emotionally removed. Um, but don't worry, my mother will have the vicar around as well. But th- there is, yeah, there's this very, very strange attitude towards kink and sex and it's all, like, it's all very conventional. Although it is, there is something interesting in the way, and again, this really shouldn't be radical in cinema in 2015. But, like, the attention that the film seems to pay towards her sexual pleasure as compared to male sexual pleasure in the sex scene. So, for example, yeah. there's scenes of him eating her out, for example. There's a lot of attention very played to this. Well, so I mean, very little. And also, can to... I just say, she was writhing around and gasping. He wasn't touching her. It was just <laughs> like, it was, um, I feel like, sorry, I feel like maybe... That's when you've got loads of money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like, oh, I'm so but, rich. But that depiction breath well. on my stomach. Like, I can <laughs> imagine this is a big pile of money. <laughs> Suddenly it's a lot sexier. But yeah, that, that depiction is very patriotic in and of itself yeah, it's like, absolutely you know you just touch them and it's like oh, like yeah and uh, it's the virgin fantasy as well oh, which is she is totally a virgin, yeah. patriarchal yeah anyway yeah. <laughs> and there's, there's also like the extent to which it isn't about things that she likes or finds important so like she she's like do you think we can do you think we can maybe you know go to the movies and he's like that's not my thing the first thing, the films? next it's thing to come monster. out of his mouth is <laughs> Try to keep an open mind. <laughs> <laughs> like he's telling her. It's like you won't yeah. go to the feckin' cinema with me. Yeah. Well, I'm not familiar with the concept of it, movies. It oh no, I don't do that. Yeah. You have to keep an open mind. There's, it's, yeah, it's so interesting that it's like as well as just like these two things couldn't possibly coexist. Yeah. Like a BDSM relationship and like conventional yeah. dating. Yeah. It's just yeah. like oh no, in this universe, it's one or the other. You have to. Like, that's what together. I find so curious about it because it's almost like you know if you wanted to to read into it more you could be like oh maybe it's about this whole way like society can't accept that this kind of relationship could be one and the same and people can like hold hands and go for a picnic and then go home and have super kinky sex it's nah but you know because i imagine i imagine like i don't know like as i say i am curious to see how it how, how this story would go i don't know how i'm possibly going to find out but but <laughs> but I would imagine I would imagine that the arc is her realizing. Oh, you mean that, over the course of the next few books? Yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> my like. I'm aware of how it ends, so I'll let naive, you if you're right. Naive kind of idea of how this would go would be that he would realize that um, that his kinks aren't um, something to be ashamed of. Something, yeah, to be ashamed of, and that she would realize that 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 she can. She can have those things that she wants and also kind of in, enjoy, enjoy this aspect. Mm-hmm. Of it. Yeah. 
they, that's not how it's presented. Like, it, it's all presented as wonderfully transactional. Like, and again, this ties into the whole capitalism theme. But there's the bit where he's like, you know, so I would get you three days a week. You'd come to my red room. You'd get to stay in this room. And for three days, nobody else could have yeah. you. And she's like, and what would I get? And he's like, me. It's like, what, what more do you want? You would get my todger. Mm. But there's this whole conversation where it's like, this is the is that only... what you call it? <laughs> what Jamie Tornan calls it. Jamie Dornan calls it. Uh, but right. Yeah. Maybe it's like a local word up yeah. and down or something. Um, this is the only kind of relationship that I can be in. Um, there's the other one where he's, he has all these sort of statements like, you know, hearts and flowers. I don't know how to do that. I feel like all you do is buy flowers. Like, like, I think he's like got he great does. taste and it's, that he would do very well. He's just, but like, he literally is like, I took you on a romantic helicopter ride. I, I don't do romance. And all this stuff, like he does a lot of statements of like, this is just the way I am. As though like having a kink is like the core the if, only thing that if, he is if, yeah. that, if that's your life that's the core of your personality and like nothing can change that mm-hmm. it's just well I mean there's a lot of there's yeah. a lot of like weird push and pull about this idea of Christian as at once this remote sort of like isolated you know figure who is dangerous and alluring and sort of sexy for being dangerous but and then there's also this idea of the man you can change like you have this thing where Anna discovers that there's never been a photo taken of him with a with a woman um, in public and he talks to her about that about how uncomfortable he is with that and then at her graduation right there's a photographer who's like photo and he literally interrupts a conversation with her father which is already crossing a boundary for him because he doesn't do personal stuff yeah. at all but he's having a nice conversation with her father he interrupts is that nice? in order to take a picture with her that can go on the front a weird porn star face <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but so that that can go on the front page of the magazine there's all this back and forth about how he doesn't do all these things but for Anna he does well I mean that's another part of the fantasy right of like oh this man is going to like break Change, his yeah. own rules yeah. for me like you're bringing out a part of him he doesn't want to accept and part, part of me kind of wishes that like it, you know well I suppose in the hands of a better writer this would not have happened but part of me kind of wishes that like there was there is a version of it out there somewhere where like you delve into the psychology of it all and like you said like him sort of realizing that he can still be a perfectly normal in inverted commas person and have all of these kings and not be ashamed of them and it can just form part of a conventional but, mutually respectful relationship and everything else but the the novel series ends and, and marianne can probably correct me because she i think she knows in more depth than i do but mm-hmm. they get married in 50 shades mm-hmm. freed um uh, and they end yeah and i believe they end loves up those contracts in a conventional having missionary sex with a mirror on the ceiling type relationship there on out like she fixes his kink like the the kink is a result of abuse. You fix that. So you a kink put, is is like that, that's a, like a, a, like a little gap in, in a, a pipe. Line. Yeah. So you just yeah. straighten that thing out. Yeah. That's exactly how the the novels and film series treated as well. That's extremely more. puritanical. Yes. Well, it's, it's, well. But I mean, then when you think about like Twilight as the the source, source material, material is obviously like Stephanie Meyer is a Mormon. Yes. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. <laughs> Not Wes Anderson, like, but the Stephanie Meyer. The DNA is... that people always talk about in Twilight as being like really problematic is so much more obvious in this than it is in Twilight. Yeah, I, mean, I think he says letters, babes, to all his which is his really yeah, weird. That's, weird. That's, that's his like his, there was like a, when he, he fir- into a surfer. T- yeah, when he <laughs> no, first said it, I have to double check and be sure that he said. And then he says it like three more. No, times. but that's the joke is that his brother says it to Kate. Right? I thought, yeah, oh. yeah. So yeah. then he's like, haha, <laughs> like look yeah. at how human I am. <laughs> I mean, that's when you're probably so shocked that there was actually like a sexy moment for a yeah. second. Yeah. That you're just- oh my god, I saw a bomb. But in, in terms of the, the Twilight <laughs> stuff, like the the interesting thing about like I would argue. The, the the sex in Twilight 
And to be absolutely clear, the sex in Twilight is incredibly prob- problematic on its own terms. But it's much kinkier. Well, well it's, yeah, it's on the wedding there's night. There's more than one. It's on the wedding night where he breaks her... He, he, does he, he break her hip? He breaks the bed, but he leaves her I think her he breaks bruise. her as he, well. Like, he, he, leaves, he leaves her bruised. He leaves her yeah, bruised, and, and she has back injury. And, and is yeah. she a vampire at that point? No, like, no, 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 she's, so still, she's, she's still, no, still she, human. Oh, yeah, so it's all like, no, Edward, I can take it, my weak human body. Yeah. yeah. And, and the, and the novel's like, like Kevin just, Smith Superman thing. Oh, uh, yeah, well, that's like, that's not the, that's the Man of Steel, Woman of Kleenex. I believe that is um, what's his name, Theodore Sturgeon. Oh, I believe is it? it dates back to the seventies. Ah. But the idea is that yes, if Superman were to have sex, it would be like having sex with a shotgun. It was a joke in uh, Hancock. Have you, you guys have seen Hancock? I, I've heard about this. Where Hancock has a famous deleted scene where um, he's in bed with a woman, yeah, with a this. sex worker. <laughs> Um, and he's like, okay, honey, you, you gotta get off. And she's like, why have I gotta get off? She's like, trust me, you just gotta get off at this point. And she doesn't, and he pushes her, and it, he literally blows the roof off the caravan <laughs> that they're staying in. Um, which is, yeah, the dream. A superhero ejaculation yeah. right there. You can, and that, that is very much a male um, power fantasy, sure. to be absolutely clear there. But I mean, it is interesting that... I, I didn't get that. <laughs> 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 but yeah, so there is like my sperm. I'm glad is you even, were clear. Even my sperm is powerful. Um, but yeah, so, even my sperm is powerful. Yeah. Darren Mooney. Yeah, if you if you if I die, put that that comes from my dodger. <laughs> Thank you, Marianne. I'm sorry. So if you if you want to put that on my tombstone when I pass away, that's, 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 your, new, that's your new Twitter bio yeah, right there. My, my sperm from my torture is so powerful. So sorry. It will blow the roof. Um, but yeah, there is like you could argue that the sex in Twilight is much kinkier than the sex here. Because I mean, even you're right when they do have and they just have pretty straightforward missionary sex. In and he falls too. asleep and he spends the night with her, even though he's all like, "I don't spend the night with anyone." But come here, I think. But he's only had sex with fifteen people. Yeah. He's still figuring things yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, no, but I did say come here to me on a podcast. <laughs> come here, guys, with me. Like I think the thing is, and I think what this movie kind of fundamentally understands is like ultimately, sex is about like intimacy and vulnerability, and like Christian's refusal to do either of those things just makes it really profoundly unsexy. And it doesn't matter how many fancy floggers you have. If it's, and like, and like, I think like, and we were talking about like how the sex scenes are kind of like very the, sterile, the equivalent very... of kind of action sequences. And I really do feel like, cause there were some places where it was so explicit where she's like writhing around and he is literally not touching her. I feel like that must've been like the editor working overtime, trying to like, like generate some chemistry yeah. between them because it is. Can, yeah. can we just note that this has a soundtrack from Danny Elfman and as excited as I was to hear Danny Elfman doing the soundtrack to a sex scene, this was somewhat underwhelming. There was a lot less piano, exciting piano going on. Well, that and also they have a lot of like remix pop songs playing mm. over like Crazy in Love at some Beyonce's stage. Beyonce and... recorded Crazy in Love, which was used for the trailer as well. <laughs> I, it, it had, to, yeah, it was an understated Danny Elfman because I can imagine them them playing like the, <laughs> the, the Batman the, thing. The, the Danny Elfman kind of like music that he had written before. <laughs> like when... <laughs> Did 
And then they're going away at it like for the sex scenes. And Sam Taylor was stop, 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 stop. stop. Yeah. Can we can we can do we something about the music? Yeah. Yeah. I have some Beyonce on my iPad. Let's I, try it with I that. I think it's like I mean, Grace and I were talking about this just before we started recording. About how so many elements of this movie are just working so hard to cover up like the big void that yeah. is the story. You know, like the soundtrack with all these remix pop songs and mm-hmm. Danny Elfman, the sets, the costumes, like all of it. But you know what's gas is that if you if you had and I think Dakota Johnson's really good in this, don't think Jamie Dornan is very good at all. Again, I know he's not working with much, but even at that you could be like if you had two people who had a decent level of chemistry, even that would have elevated it a little mm. bit. Fun but fact. there's literally nothing. There's a vacuum. Do you know who the original choice for Christian Grey was? And oh, was oh, actually oh, signed... I do, I do. It was Charlie Hunnam, wasn't it? Yeah. Would you have preferred that? And actually, it's funny um, when you hear him talk about it because he, he really regrets the fact he didn't get to make this movie, even after I, seeing I this movie. I think Charlie Hunnam could have sold this. Yeah. Uh, I'm Jamie, a fan of Charles. And Jamie Dorn regrets it yeah. so <laughs> much. Yes. Uh, like, I was reading a, about, like... I think an interview with him where he was kind of like, you know, I have a wife and kids. Like I didn't sign up for all this stuff. And I was like, what did, what, what did you say? It's an American psycho remake. Yeah. Um, they'll, they'll remake a reboot, like a Hulk or a Spider-Man movie. Like as, as yeah. many times as it takes to get it right. But with this, they're like, no, Jamie Dornan. <laughs> That's it. I, I, I do think it's a crying shame that Charlie Hunnam wasn't in this though, because he has, he has like swagger. He has charisma. Mm. He, he could really pull this off. Mm. Like just picture. Just picture Jack's Teller in this role, lads. Come on. Now you made me imagine. <laughs> now you made me imagine Miles Teller and Teller in this role. And Even it. Miles Teller would have sold the butt plugs out of that. Role. Well, I mean, it, he would have. He would have convincingly played sociopath, self-absorbed sociopath, yeah. very, very, and odd, oddly attractive sociopath too. I don't know what it is with Miles Teller. I really like him, even though he's clearly. Yeah, I love you. Maybe Christian Grey would have been like, because like we were talking about, there's this weird push and pull where he's like, like he's like, I'm not a romantic. Come dance with me before we go out (laughs) to Frank Sinatra. Like people, maybe that Frank Sinatra scene is taken directly from the book. That was Neil James, which you can tell watching it because it's the only song that isn't actually fitting what's happening on screen. And it, but it is so like maybe it would be hotter if it, he was like more explicitly an asshole and Anna like I think it would have been an interesting movie if it was like about Anna's conflict of like oh I'm kind of into this but I shouldn't be I mean yeah. the fact that Anna just isn't into any of <laughs> yeah, it is she, a big problem yeah. <laughs> you know she wants him to be really nice and not into all of this terrible stuff yeah. Yeah. But it's like <laughs> is the fantasy then for women like oh like I have to put up with this but I could change him someday because yeah. yeah. that's not fun I don't want but I don't want to like generalize or sort of cast aspersions on like an entire race and gender of people but I suspect race that, uh, <laughs> okay, um, nationality Humans? of people oh, but, uh, nationality of people um, and an entire gender but I think that, I wonder if it is like that American thing where it's because it's yeah. also that, that's the culture is so say. it's yeah. a very patriarchal thing to be like sex is just something that women put up with so they yeah. can have all the conventional soppy romance crap but sure. I mean but I, know, I like, like and that's almost the way it's played here is that she's just like oh I guess I can but like can't we go to the movies again? but this is sort of I wonder if there's an element of like that internalized to this where this mm-hmm. is like where this is that repackaged as a feminine fantasy where it's like 
it's okay to enjoy having a feather duster rubbed all over your body, which is like the least kinky kink ever. It's like, I enjoy things touching me. That's how crazy is that? But, um, or light spanking. It's okay to enjoy those things as long as you understand that in the end you will redeem the man who is doing them to you. And I wonder, and that's it. And I wonder if like, that's, it's a patriarchal narrative. You're right. But I wonder Mm -hmm. if like, it's an internalized sort of misogyny underpinning it where it's like for women reading it, it's like, well, this is hot. But it's it's also there's a clear moral behind it, so I don't have to feel bad about finding it a little hot mm-hmm. because in the end it'll all end up all right. That's- yeah, I, I do think as well that might be part of why it might appeal maybe to a certain demographic of women more so than others. Again, at risk of generalizing, um, because there's probably an element of that in slightly older women who would have been brought up with a more kind of problematic view. And I mean, to be clear, the way we talk about sex and intimacy. To, to this day is still really problematic but i think people feel are they're a lot more open about the fact that like women can also enjoy sex yeah exactly whereas back in the day that would have been a completely nonsensical notion sure so now it's kind of moved up to the next level where it's like we know women can enjoy sex but, but only, only within certain yeah, rigidly and only with like parameters. you know a little bit of spanking is fine. Though sorry, can we talk about how he flogs her on her stomach? It's like Christian. It's well, that, dangerous. That, <laughs> that was apparently one of the big complaints that the bondage community had about it. Outside of the whole like child abuse makes you into kink, uh, part of it was that the stuff that he gets up to with her involving the flogging and the slapping in the stomach and even the riding crop was stuff that you would not do with an amateur because that would be dangerous, reckless, and potentially life-threatening. And he has so many expensive toys, but yeah, it's well, kind of like, what are you is, doing, Matt? He is a casual, just with a lot of a money. Ca- <laughs> like, he, 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 right? Sorry, I mean, that's the best diagnosis of Christian Grey. He's just got tons of money. So He's so never like, been to a club, that, he's never had a professional sure, song. Yeah. kid in school who gets into, like, kind of, uh, mountain biking and all of a sudden he has a mountain bike and like all of the gear and mm. stuff but like, only takes it around rich. the block yeah, yeah it only yeah. takes around the block because he's rich it's like I've decided that I have a kink it's like okay so, so what, are you, what, are, what are you gonna do are you gonna have like butt plugs you're gonna have like you know yeah. sort of, and he's you, like no 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 just just flogging it's, it's just like, like whips you haven't earned this you <laughs> need to put in the time to, to have this like fantastic playroom but like but like I mean the playroom is like I imagine Taylor like who presumably was his manservant on this being like okay so you've committed to this kink right so you're gonna want ball gags he's like no okay you're gonna want butt plugs he's like no you're gonna want harnesses he's like no, not there really. were some harnesses there were, okay. on the wall. He oh. has some butt plugs somewhere. Yeah. They're, they're, in a, they're, they're in the press. They're not going to hang As opposed to like the, the one. Over because she explicitly yeah. knows them. But we have the... like the other one over on Mondays and Tuesdays. They're on display. I love the idea of like Taylor like watching the door being like she's coming up and Christian being like oh crap I gotta hide the butt plug collection. Um, but yeah it, it's like no 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 there's going to be 110 different varieties of whips. It's like Taylor's like okay you're this is a bonus. Christmas bonus. I would love to know, like, what E.L. James is into, because it really does seem like the perception of BDSM from someone who's just never been within a hundred miles of it. It's just like, it's just lots of whips, right? (laughs) Lots of whips and lots of leather. And chains. (laughs) And maybe tied down, held down, I don't know. Yeah, it just seems like... 
Yeah, and even for the movie, it was like a consult, a consultant, maybe. You know, <laughs> just, well, I mean, well, you know that like uh, James vetoed a lot of stuff. Like for example, the including the, the including the consultant, including the consultant, but they, they also like she murdered him or her. <laughs> the closing scene, like Sam Taylor Johnson's original plan for the closing scene was going to be where um, Anna goes into the lift and leaves him, but the closing line was going to be as the door closed, she would have said red. Which, <gasps> that would have been great. Which is would have been a very clever, very. That just got two gas. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah. Right Congratulations, Sam Taylor Johnson. You made the right call, but unfortunately, we're overruled. But it would have been yeah, red lift closes, cut to black, credits roll, which would have been nuts. Yeah. And everyone uh, going butt plugs. Yeah, she yeah. gets it. She understands. She safe worded him. <laughs> <laughs> but but instead, I need to recover. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's it's really odd. Though in a way that this is in 2015, like it, and 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 that the the movie, the trilogy, I guess, is concluding in 2018, with a very kind of an unsatisfactory um, conclusion. Because like, I suppose I would have grown up with you the said unsatisfactory climax. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Just to roll yeah. with it there, but anyway. Um, <laughs> I suppose like I would have grown up with that very kind of um, old-fashioned and wrong view that like. Well, sex is something that I want because I'm a dirty little boy. But how? how like, of course, no woman is ever going to want this. They will want something else. Like the, the they'll want like movies and yeah, dinner and uh, exactly and a normal life. And that's and that's that's and a very to spend the night sleeping with them in a bed. Yeah, and that's a very kind of like a, the 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 kind of some some something that there's no need to get across to people and is incidentally wrong. Yeah, and 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 the. But this, it, it seems to be like almost the point of this movie. Yeah, like is, for all that the movie's treating as transgressive, is, it's reinforcing the same thing that we've been saying about sexuality for yeah, um, centuries like, at this point. Christian needs to learn that there's more to life than sex. <laughs> and Andrew's, and, and, Andrew's and, uh, be, like, no. Be, 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 because he'll, he'll, like, he'll never find a nice woman who will yeah. um, uh, be enjoy that. his uh, the, yeah. the activities and emotional distance that he has. Yeah, because his proclivities are like his entire personality. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Apparently. Well, I mean, and sitting in meetings with the four other men who work at his office. <laughs> yeah, but he's clearly like thinking about Anna, <laughs> yeah. you know, just like... It would be fascinating if he had made his fortune from patenting sex toys. How <laughs> good <laughs> would that be? And it'd be kind of like under the table and she does... Or that like yeah. Anna's so naive that she like doesn't realise. She never Google Grey Industries yeah. and it's like wow this really isn't a surprise and that would surprise. make that interview scene like proper comedy yeah. where he's like do you know what I do and she's like what's a butt plug with the sort of Grey Industries yeah. on it and yeah. the, the way the way he made his fortune is through like kind of you know knowing people and stuff and not at all being but a sociopath. But inheriting a massive. But the, this is he describes himself I as a self-made man. man like yeah. he repeat, and this is again this is plays into that whole American like fetishization of capitalism. Oh. Thing. Even like, though capital- his parents are clearly feckin' minted. That's yeah. exactly, and it's like, and as Andrew pointed anyway. out, it's like uh, you know, I it seems the harder I work, the luckier I get. You have no idea how hard I worked as a four-year-old boy to be adopted by rich parents um, and he's and at one point he's like you know I know how to make people like do me. what I want or like me I know what motivates them and it's like you you're having watched a the really movie. hard time <laughs> yeah. with this incredibly naive college student yeah. so. this, <laughs> this naive college age virgin that has outwitted you that, yeah that you can't somehow exploit <laughs> <laughs> like the, 
you're, and you're good at this. Yeah. Um, this is apparently the cornerstone of your millions. I love the idea. <laughs> I love the idea that's like Bruce Wayne in Wayne Enterprises, where it's like he literally has no idea what the company does. He just shows up and cashes a check. Again, and I just want to know the woman who's like, yeah. Christian Grey, <laughs> like that's what I that's want. The idea. Is it like? Is no, it, that's what I deserve. Is it just? It, it, is, is, is it just the suit and like the rip the, the body underneath? <laughs> he's got it. Yeah, he he he. He's, he's got good taste. He has a helicopter. Um, he's got lots of money. He, he's got he, a um, really nice todger, apparently. Um, but he's also got like. Why do you I keep saying that. Because he gets this reaction from this people. Uh, Two fifty after dark. But or the um, a return of the two fifty. Yeah, after this dark. is when when I read a sampling from one flow over the cuckoo's nest. Apparently, it was too much for Andrew. I think we recently talked about rebranding it as uh, well the Little Dick Energy Hour. Yeah. Sorry. Um, but it's a little touch here. <laughs> little touch <tadger> energy <laughs> hour. But um, like worth noting, by the way, in terms of like we're talking about like the, the Christian Grey sex toy industry, their whole merchandising and sort of like commercial aspect around Fifty Shades of Grey, which is amazing. There is a plush teddy bear toy Christian Grey, which comes with he's in a. You're right when you say is it the suit because it is the suit and a little set of handcuffs on him as well. Um, here. But there's also uh, the same weekend that the movie was released. Um, there were a number of like rip-offs that were rushed directly into production in order to capitalize on and release the same weekend. There was Bound, which was the Asylum knockoff starring Charisma Carpenter, which makes me very sad for some reason. Uh, and then there was Old Fashioned, which was the Pure Flicks Christian answer to Fifty Shades of Grey. What? Which... what? I, I didn't understand half of the words in that sentence. You know the way. I want to get back to Charisma Carpenter. I don't. I, I think that I know was disappointing yeah. for for people who would who would be like, ah, Charisma Carpenter. Could she be in it? And then they watched it and it's like, yeah, nah, it's it not was, great. Yeah, well, it's an asylum knockoff. So um, it's the people who do like these non-copyright versions of movies for like a couple of hundred grand. That's a pure flick. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna, again, I'm going to call you on saying that as though it's obviously whole... a thing we've all heard of. It's like Spockanalia all over again. <laughs> you guys haven't heard of pure flick? Pure flick is basically this no. Christian multimedia conglomerate in the United States. That has come up with this idea of taking standard Hollywood fare and producing wholesome Christian answers to it. Um, so, for example, these are the movies that usually star like Greg Kinnear and stuff like that. Uh, but Greg Kinnear. Think, yeah. <laughs> think along the lines of uh, God's Not Dead or stuff like that. That sort of thing. The, the God's Not Dead trilogy. Where, so for what, example, what, what and kind various of... versions of Left Behind. Yeah, sure. and then that's. Well, I think they did the Kirk the... Cameron one, possibly. What's of, of the name Left of this? Uh, this one is old called fashioned. Old Fashioned. So this, like, say if Pope Francis were watching like uh, an erotic he, movie, if, <laughs> it would be old, old fashioned. fashioned. Would be he what could be doing it right now. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, it's like Pope Francis has sat down. He's decided he wants to watch this sort of. Are there laws against this um, <laughs> in this country? <laughs> want to understand? Have the we more just broken the, the blasphemy laws well, by mentioning this? But yeah, so I'll include. I'm not it. saying he has. I'm saying that would be what he would watch. If you were interested in that sort of thing, um, I do have the trailer here. We'll include it in the show notes, unless you guys want to watch it now. Well, well I, it, depending on how good it is, would it be interesting to get a live reaction? Okay. 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 I, okay. We're watching it, Mr. Walsh. Okay, the world wants to know when are you going to kiss her? So this theory of yours, I'm curious. I don't believe that dating trains us to be good husbands and wives. Trains us to be skilled in the superficial. Who talks like that? I do. Shoot the ball. 
fact. Most people know okay. black person. After this movie has one more black person than Guys, I don't want to miss any of this. Where do you get this stuff from? Why don't you just crawl back onto that cute little antique shop and make up some more theories you never test out at the grown-up table anymore? I'm gonna be upstairs to a girl. Is she a pretty girl? Not my type. How do you know? So help me, man. How come you haven't asked me out yet? If I do, you start breaking things. Okay. I need to believe my life could be different than it was. That I could be different. And how did you do that? And don't even tell me you found Jesus or something. More like he found me. Really? You just packed everything you own in your car and started driving until you ran out of gas. Make a fresh start. Go where the wind takes me. Follow the warm and fuzzies. Life just isn't all warm fuzzies. It's not just all rules either. The lady wears a lot of blankets. You don't chase after that girl. You're nowhere near the person we thought you were. All I want is for you to tell me how I make you feel. How do I make you feel, Clay? When did treating women with respect become the joke? You want to know what the joke is? I came here ready to forgive you no matter what. You make it sound so easy. You make it sound impossible. You and your pain. Stop using the grace of God as a brick wall. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, and it was 2015. They were doing so well. I mean, they weren't doing that well. But... I don't know. I think there, there, there's a possibility. Like, that, that kind of made me believe that it could be charming and perhaps more interesting than the movie <laughs> we Shades. just watched. A lot of hand-holding. Yeah. Um, yeah. How is that an answer to Fifty Shades of Because Grey? it was released at the same time and the advertising campaign involved lots of references to Fifty Shades of oh. Grey. Um, like, the only thing he's tying her down with is matrimony vows. Um, and the how only thing that's that holding actor? him back is God's grace. <laughs> but yeah, how old is that actor? I have no. That's idea. what I was thinking. It's like a boy, a girl. He's like he's like forty five. Yeah, he's lived a good I was life. Thinking that during this a... movie, I suppose you you see that like in TV shows and movies all the time when people are playing a little bit younger, and yeah. you're wondering like, is the Coda Johnson and her friend? Like, they do not seem... Like, 18, 19 like, years yeah, old. Like, they're... They, yeah, they seem like the kind of... Yeah, like... like 30 grown ups. Yeah. 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 I mean, that, that's... Plus, like, they have such a grown-up apartment. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that really adds to it. I, I mean, maybe that was the logic behind it. It's just, like, we need the apartment to be bigger so it makes them look smaller, right? That's how this works. It's like, yeah, sure, go with it. And the funny thing about this movie was that, like, she, she wasn't... It's not like she's the real kind of... Um, nerdy oh no one would like me because i'm just into my books her friend is the valedictorian her friend is the kind of the the nerdy one but also the cool one as well She's the outgoing, adventurous well, one, I feel but like she's also the studious Bad journalist. I, yeah, I feel like <laughs> yeah, she's a terrible journalist. That's another kind of obvious lift from Twilight. Yeah, I mean, it, they've moved, I mean, we've moved on from, like, no one likes smart women, but mm-hmm. now it's like, mm, like, you, like, smart and hot is good now, mm-hmm. but, like, Anna's kind of dowdy and awkward, or, like, she's supposed yeah. to be initially. Like, 
at this but like yeah i mean that's like twilight though where i mean it's actually fascinating because bella has just no redeeming qualities like she's like and she goes to i know she goes to this new school and they're all like everyone is like she's so cool we want to be her friend and she's just like like veers between like boring and actively rude and they're just like you're yeah. so cool. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it's it's really interesting. It's just because they don't really give you anything in the movie for like Anastasia, like like Dakota. By the Johnson... way, can we remark on how cool the name Anastasia Steele is? That's about every time yeah. they said it out loud, it was like, I. Why would you call her Anna? Why Why would you not just every time you're referring to her, not just Anastasia. call her Anastasia Steele? Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry. Yeah. But they like Dakota Johnson does a good job of of making her seem kind of um, likable. But there's nothing really there in the movie where you where 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 you think, of course, he's um, going to be to um, like fascinated by her. It doesn't really give you. Um, well, he's very... attracted to her because he can't have her. No, but that's the that's the well, that's part of like I think the female fantasy yeah. is that like characters like Bella and Anna embody maybe like a sort of uh you know like how women with very low self-esteem would perceive themselves as like oh i'm kind of dowdy and like awkward and boring and no one would look at me but then this man notices me and like sweeps in and changes my life like i think that's kind of well wouldn't it be kind of more interesting if it was like he noticed something that other people don't like as, as in i have all of this work that 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 is that that I don't believe in, but this person can if, see it. If versus being, like for no reason at all, it seems. To if kind we're of... being cynical, though, that would mean specifying something about the characters, which yeah. would make them less universal. And and again, like we yeah. were, we're talking about this as a female insert, like talk about male inserts. There's very little specific about people like Peter Parker, Bruce Wayne, Clark Kent. Like if you're talking about like male fantasies, in that they are very much like stock stereotypical manly men Bond. who are that's it exactly yeah the who pick are, a scary stew of all time yeah but they're all like this sort of generic like self insert character mm-hmm. it's not like anybody goes well but Bond's into making model trains I can't relate to that mm-hmm. and also oh, he, he Bond knows everything about everything I know yeah, yeah in, in, in the exposition have scene see he, he 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 will know all about like kind of uh, uh, butterflies and oh yeah, butterflies. yeah but no, that's the opposite of having a personality yeah, because yeah. if you know everything about everything yeah. then you're not interested that's it, exactly. in anything if, if Bond were specifically interested in butterfly collections the next film they're like okay so we're doing this case involving Moss he's like that's not my thing but it's also interesting and you just mentioned like Bond as a Gary Stew and I think it's interesting again to locate this in fan fiction because obviously a huge critique of a lot of fan fiction is the Mary Sue character like yeah. that's where it came from like the female self insert and this is like what to bring it back to my immortal like my immortal is like famously parody the parody of that uh character so i think a reaction to that is that you now see a lot of fan fiction where female characters are sort of deliberately unremarkable or like haven't done much or what and you know so that's possibly following on from that trend. Is there anything else we want to talk about with regards to uh, Fifty Shades of Grey? Anything we haven't said already about the film, actually? Jennifer L. is looking fantastic. Jennifer L. is great. I'm actually kind of like that. <laughs> I, I don't think this. we've talked anywhere near enough about Max Martini. No. Max, again, Taylor. Like, I, th- I don't want the Christian spinoff. I want the Taylor spinoff. I want the bit where it's like how he discovers what his employer's into, 
how he's curiously cool with that. How he gets home after presumably driving yeah. Anna's car. We're not even there. It's a whole cool story about, about him which has nothing to do with the rest of the film. We're like, the elevator closes and it just cuts straight to him and he's just like, well... My life is a different story. Cleaning his shoes. Yeah. Yeah. You're probably wondering how I ended up in this situation. <laughs> exactly. Or it's him going home to like his very normal like like setup. Generic with his middle class family. And they're like cooking together, and he's like, "You will not believe what he did today." Yeah. Um, I I got some cast off feather duster flogs. If you want to try them this evening, honey. Um, but yeah, so I think that's about wraps it up. But if people are looking for a bit more Grace, a bit more Marianne, a bit more Andrew in their lives, where can they find you guys? Um, I'm on Twitter at Pixie Grace, and I am on Twitter as @tinyork. And I plug both of those, and 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 Darren. Thank you, um, no. but not, but no, but crucially, but not the butt plug. No, no, uh-huh. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Thank but, you, Maria. I, butt plugs, everyone. Yeah, uh, I was well, going, I was going to suggest if you guys had anything you wanted to plug at the end of the podcast, but I felt like that was too obvious an opening for Andrew. <laughs> And he found he it anyway. It he excavated <laughs> that himself. Much uh, like Christian Grey. I didn't bring that up. <laughs> you can follow 250 online at At The 250. We're available on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, wherever good podcasts are available. We'll be back next week. And until then, take it easy. Bye. 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 Hello, it's Darren here, just doing a quick outro on the 250. Since we moved away from the random number generator, we're looking at ways of keeping you listeners up to date on what's happening on the 250, what we've got coming up. So join us next week on the 1st of December, when the wonderful Anya O'Connor will be joining us to discuss City of God, the classic Brazilian crime film. And then the week after that, myself and Andrew will be discussing a new entry on the bottom 100, Slender Man. Then we're getting solidly into our Christmas fair, where we'll be covering Star Wars, with the same combination that brought you this episode, Marion Cassidy and Grace Duffy. And then we're doing a special Christmas episode covering L.A. Confidential with Beauty and the Beast to bring in the new year. We've got a host of great, great episodes coming up, guys. We hope you'll join us because we know you're worth it. And you deserve it. And take it easy. 